welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, July 6th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to do pretty much a revisiting of some most of the things we discussed yesterday, some follow-ups on, you know, as... as as we continue to point out, we tend to be ahead of most of the stories that moments later become focal points in the corporate media. Now, I don't know whether that's this platform or independent media seeding what their conversation is or we're just ahead of the story. But we're talking about, again, the chest feeding discussion. And by the way, let's not forget that we discussed that, what, seven months ago in regard to how that was a problem and it was dangerous and the drugs that were seeping through the, the discharge. But now again, we discussed it yesterday, and now suddenly today, CDC endorses chest feeding for trans people and completely doesn't even discuss the potential risks. I, I don't even know how that's possible. Even, I mean, even the people that are pretending they're trusting the science must at least see the omission, unless, again, they're just so taken by the narrative that they don't even think it's there, which I guess makes sense when we're talking about the COVID-19 mania. What we're going to talk about, again, on that note, they're right now telling us that, that one of the new things coming right, right around the corner for fall is their new tridemic injection. It's MMR meets the new direction, right? The, the only in the sense of the three things together, I should guess it's not that unique, but the idea that they're putting three injections together that haven't been tested alongside each other and saying it's just for convenience. And then go even in the article itself, highlighting that, you know, we don't really know if they're that safe together, but you know, these things are super dangerous. So put them together, even though we didn't test them and take them because they're dangerous independently. Yeah, you might be wondering that there's, there's something in between that. Nope, that's the narrative. There's no logic to understand why they would jam them together unless they want to hurt people independently. They can do that, too. But jam them together. If they want to hurt people or there's some kind of profit motive. I mean, the point is that we're in a position where we can literally see that they're taking actions that we know are at the very least, less safe than doing it the normal way with no other real justification other than it's more convenient or that because that's what we think is the right thing to do or the smart direction or it's better for society. All of this stuff, every conversation you look at today. Now, we're also going to get into an opening point about censorship, surveillance, the way that these platforms are kind of ramping up aggressively, all of them for that matter, ways to control your speech, ways to follow and influence what you may do. We also see at the same time on the foreign policy conversation where we're going to finish with France passing legislation to be able to remotely turn on your phone's camera, microphone, you know, for your safety, for national security. In case you, if you're sitting there thinking, wow, that's crazy, too late, it's already happening in the United States if you didn't know that. That happened a long time ago. For national security, though, of course, they wouldn't just do it for no reason. That'd be crazy. We're also going to finish with the conversation of the United Nations and how they're stepping into this. Uh, it's not new for that matter, but it's becoming more of a focal point in the pandemic treaty type conversation. They have their own version of this conversation from the United Nations angle, which is really the same conversation. It's a globalization concept about global government and using pandemics and other unknown events to potentially and absolutely control what everybody has to do in those moments. And it's it's very easy to see how this could just become the future indefinitely. Right now, we're technically still in some kind of weird quasi-pandemic, not-pandemic moment. So think about that applying for the rest of our lives. And in that, we act differently, right? It's an emergency. 
Well, guess what? Right now, we're still under a monkeypox emergency. <laughs> Does that make sense? Well, the point is, it opens up actions, finances, and a lot of other things. So they're trying to set us into a position right now where global entities will have the ability to dictate what these countries can do. We know this conversation because the WHO pandemic treaty is the same conversation, but this is coming from the United Nations. It's very alarming, guys. It's not a secret. Exactly what you're thinking and worried about is what's going on. This is building in front of us. Some people involved even, I would argue, probably don't even realize that it's as dark as we realize that it is. Either way, most of them are at least at some level okay with removing your sovereignty, your freedom, your free speech, even if they may think it's for a greater good. What gives them the right to do that? And then realize the ones that are really calling the shots don't care about any of that. And this is much darker, and I think we realize that today. But let's get into the censorship part to start. Ah, You know what? I just realized I forgot to open with the clip that I was going to open with. But, you know, it's all the better, actually, because it's very shocking, and it might have scared people away. One thing we're going to get into today in the trans chest feeding conversation, which is just really unnerving, is that we went over a part of this that was about the fetish side of this, which nobody can pretend it doesn't exist, whether you're it's a trans person, a gay person, whatever. There are people that have fetishes. And the point is that within this conversation, there's already been studies, there's been conversations, papers written about how there's an overlap here in regard to the the idea, and this, this is not that new of a concept, at least in the context of the transgender conversation. It's been going on for years now. And the idea that men want to breastfeed, whatever, how crazy as that even sounds to say it loud, it's already been discussed and we've already discussed the risks, as we said before. But this has been an overlap where there are men who then just decide they're women who have fetishes about either women or children, in fact, and, and you know nipple clamps and all of this stuff. Now, those are different things, just people wanting that kind of stuff and then having a child involved in that process, which is just, it's, I mean, guys, that's pedophilia. Let's be real honest about what that is. And that is happening. Now, in no way am I suggesting that is most or, you know, I don't, even, I don't know what I would argue the percentage is, but it's something. In my mind, I would find it really hard to believe that's more than a fringe part of this community. But nonetheless, it exists. And it's something that we have to address, which I already talked about in a previous show. And we're going to unfortunately get into what it appears to be just that. But it's only important to include that part of it to show you that not that that should be a reason that it should should play a factor on the choices we make in regard to the situation. But there's far more obvious reasons this is a problem. It simply more than anything should show us that things like this are being allowed to just fly by because there's so much political fervor in this conversation that we're not allowed to point out anything wrong, which plenty of people in that very community have been saying to us. We just played the video from the guy who sadly admitted how he ruined his life. We, I mean, you probably right now you're thinking, which one, Ryan? Because we played probably 15 of those, but telling people that, that, that he walked into this and was, and we'll get into it when we, when we get to this point of the show, but it's just so hard to talk about because it's ruining these people's lives. And we're not allowed to talk about that because it's such a ramped up conversation that they just don't matter anymore, which is odd because the exact opposite is what opposite is what they're claiming that everybody matters and they're all alive except them. Not that one though. He's saying bad things. And that's how all of this tends to work. And that applies both ways, left and right. Right now, it's just kind of obvious more on one side, but the point is they all play this game where we think this, except when it's the kind of people they don't like or the side they don't want to listen to, two-party paradigm, as always. But let's start with the censorship conversation and surveillance and social media. Just a few quick points on this that I think are important. I saw this, uh, yes, this was today. 
I saw it today, but I didn't know if it was posted today. But, oh, actually, wait. Yeah, so she posted this today. Linda Yaccarino, you know, the World Economic Forum vaccine supporting, mandate supporting, you know, Elon, Elon Musk's pick to support your free speech because it makes sense. She wrote today, on Twitter, everyone's voice matters. You know, can I pause for some laughter? Okay, let's continue. Whether you're here to watch history unfold, discover real-time information all over the world, share your opinions, or learn about others on Twitter, you can be real. Again, (laughs) pause for laughter. You built the Twitter community, and that's irreplaceable. That is your public square. Ah, well, that's, you know, that's the, that language is concerning because of the way that they've already been trying to make that argument, the government. Well, it's the public square where we have to mandate. We have to regulate it. That's, that's what that's there for. We're often imitated, but the Twitter community can never be duplicated. I think that's a kind of a nod to what's right now happening, which seems that Twitter is now suing Meta for, I guess, they're arguing for scraping and kind of reproducing what they did. We'll see how that plays out. I'm not, I didn't have time to get into that. Not that it's even that important, quite frankly. Here's what I said. On Twitter, you can be real. Unless she disagrees with you or what you are or what you think, of course, or, or one of their bots, of course, that too. Or you're one of Maria Spring's many bots, or I just read it wrong. Or you are Maria Spring with her, their bot army of fake accounts claiming to be fact checkers, right? Yeah, but yeah, you can be real, guys, amongst all the fake things happening around you, of course, though. But, you know, think about how dumb it is to say that, well, right now they're censoring people. Right now. You, know, you won't hear that in all the right-wing accounts that are pretending like nothing happened. What Twitter files? That didn't even happen, did it? We didn't pretend he was going to do anything. We have source material. What's that? Nobody's having the courage to speak up about this except people that were calling it out from the beginning. We've been played. They have been played. But they're the ones that say that whether or not they're played anyway. Usually people involved with the two-party paradigm. But think about how ridiculous this is. There are bots all over this platform, more right now than I've ever seen, quite frankly, despite the opposite statements. And I, I mean, that, and that, to that very point, are they bots scam, uh, trying to, tr- you know, I, can't, I forgot that word yesterday too. scrape. There it is. Just, you know, scraping all the information. Not that I forgot the word scrape, but in the context, all the information off of this to kind of censor you, spy on you and so on. Right. But we have this Maria Spring concept. You can see her right here. It's the whole BBC's misinformation platform where she literally presented her entire present, the presentation about how they make fake counts to follow people. But of course, they're the good guys, so it's okay, right? But what are we talking about here? That's just perception. That's just narrative. You are a fake account pretending to be somebody else. Isn't that the exact pro- Why is that allowable in the first place? Doesn't that violate terms of service? I guess not if you're part of the government or BBC's disinformation platform, which shows you that Elon and Twitter or Yaccarino, however you want to play that game today, are absolutely part of it. But you can be real. I just, it's just, I'm just tired of the meaningless platitudes coming from her in particular. She's a corporate stooge, guys. That's what happens. I've worked along plenty of these people. When I was helping Super U, I worked alongside a few of them. Where I just got so frustratingly tired with the same old things. Here's what Silicon Valley, here are the, the talking points from Silicon Valley. I'm like, shut up. We don't want to hear what Silicon Valley wants to say. That, it's just frustrating because people like that can't break away from what they think they're supposed to think. Now, Google gives itself permission to use whatever you post for its AI. This was, this was July 4th on Independence Day. Google has quietly revised its privacy policy, making it clear. I love that quietly revised its privacy policy. Isn't that a little bit counterintuitive, counter contradictory? Making it clear that the tech behemoth now claims the prerogative to mine virtually all content you share online for the development of its AI instruments. Now, here's the, here's the, the kicker, guys. 
That already happened a long time ago. You know what this is, is, amounts to? Them just going, we're, we're telling you that we've always been doing this because things are shifting right now. We're in a time where things are shifting to where this is being rationalized. 30 seconds ago, this would have been outrageous. I mean, it is now. But back, remember when it was a whole thing that censorship was fake news? Remember that? <laughs> Think of how crazy that is now. The idea that spying or surveillance, you guys are crazy. Put on your tinfoil hats. Well, we're at a point now where literally everybody knows that, and this is how the game usually plays. It's fake, it's fake, it's fake, and then you're crazy for thinking we shouldn't be doing this right now. Well, whoa, how did that shift so quickly? Where's the argument in that 30-second window where you went from fake to absolutely justified? Nobody cares. It's like the vaccine, the injection conversation. There's no Nazis. Oh, they're the good Nazis. It's crazy. But this is what people do in the two-party pair. I know, tired point. I'm going to keep saying it for the rest of my life until the two-party paradigm is... removed or exposed for what it is for most people but this is happening it's everyone meta's doing their own thing twitter's suing them for it twitter's doing it google's doing it. it's all about information control guys i actually as i'll come to later in the point or in the the show about foreign policy i made that argument here i really believe that's primarily what we're talking about france is being used to justify total information control in one part of that we'll come back to that later now on that same note about misinformation I just find this is so telling to me. Here's a video on Twitter that is like shockingly fake. It's, it's like embarrassingly, ridiculously fake. And there's a thousand reasons why it's obvious. Not, e- not, to, not even to get into the 100 different hidden comments that are like fake, not real, you're a liar. <laughs> it's like hides them all, blocks comments. But yeah, it looks super legit. This Paul Kikos guy is somebody you should probably never listen to again for the rest of your life if he's hiding that he knows this is fake right now. Now, you could argue it's a parody, but in no way is he even attempting to make that the argument. I'm not going to play this ridiculous video. The point is, it is saying James O'Keefe is exposing that January 6th was a psyop, or rather that they were tricked, right? That the January 6th protesters were tricked into, well, I think we all know that we've proven that. But here's what's interesting. I see this video as something that was put out in order to sort of like trap people. This feels like what the left would think Republicans would think is happening, even though most Republicans are not stupid enough. I would argue most anybody on either side that are real wouldn't think this is real or likely. It seems like a parody. Now, it says what's shocking is AOC is calling the shots, (laughs) which is my point. I think the left would be like, Oh, we'll get all those dumb Republicans. They're going to go, oh, I knew it. (laughs) It just seems like such a stupid argument. What do you mean AOC is calling the shots? The point is you listen to it. Their voices are wrong. It's not even what James or Pelosi sound like. They're going, they're like, it gets to a point where AOC comes on and and Biden's like, listen here, girl, let the men do the work. (laughs) It's like, really? I mean, it just, it's such a parody of what they would think Republicans would think they would say. It's hilarious to me. Now, the point As I said, this is such an obviously fake and altered video with voices that do not match either of the people we're pointing at. And the way they speak in this clip is likely the way that many Democrats would imagine Republicans might view this, almost as if it was some sort of misinfo trap. Now, that doesn't have to mean that it's like a left or right thing. It could just be the government trying to play us against each other. But you can look through this for yourself. First of all, or I guess let's start with this one. I'll end with the quote tweets. Quote tweets. The most obvious thing, which is just my point, is it's obviously fake. There's no question. Is that it says, so when did O'Keefe go back to Veritas? Because if you watch it, oh, look, Project Veritas. Wait a minute. So my point is that either so, he's not with Veritas anymore. So this comes out as a new thing. It's not on his account. He, I think he operates under what? O'Keefe uh, 
media something or omg i think i forget what it is the new thing the voices don't sound right everyone's aware of this but here's the saddest part to me this if you look at the quote tweets guys everybody in this is like oh my god oh i can't believe he said that aoc's in control i knew it and it's just really disconcerting now maybe they're all fake maybe every one of these are bots and this is all about you know anyway it's just feel free to watch it for yourself it's really not worth your time You'll, you'll immediately feel this is embarrassingly fake Some people seem to catch it out. But this is the problem with the misinformation. This is the problem with something like Twitter files, which creates the mindset that something like this is real. Why? Because you can see it. I see it right there. That's him. Isn't that Pelosi? Well, they must be saying, I mean, you use, well, here, I'll I'll give you one example. First of all, and Joe Biden discussing what to do and deciding to frame the protesters. That's not James O'Keefe's voice, period. It's just not. Now, you can listen to what they have to say. And first of all, you can't see their lips. Somebody's reading this behind the scenes, and this is what it sounds like. Oh, it's too low. You can't hear it. Power brokers attack their own. Discussion. The public doesn't fictional staffers were almost killed. I thought I was going to die. This is an adult discussion. The public doesn't fear us anymore, and you better do something. Oh, what am I supposed to do? Do your fucking job, Nancy. Alexandria, let's both be patient and no, respectful no. each other. God, it's just so sad. Like I, you know, and again, this could be a parody that was repurposed to manipulate people, right? Or it could be just something people genuinely thought people would buy. And look, they are. Every most every comment is like Make this go viral. I knew it. Anyway, belaboring the point, I think it's really crazy to me that this is the kind of stuff that's actually happening. Oh, and here was the the crux of the point. Isn't it odd? I don't see any kind of a community notes on that. Isn't that interesting? I think somebody even makes that comment. Where's the community note? Yeah, right. Isn't that interesting? I mean, this is one of the most obvious fakes fakes I've ever seen on Twitter, and no community notes, nothing. Not that I care about that. I don't. You should be able to discern for yourself. Be a grown up. But it's interesting, you'll see as we go through, there's a lot of community notes on things that are true. Just Twitter is no different than it ever was, guys. Out with the new boss, or how's that, that statement go? New boss, meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? Well, let's talk about COVID-19 for a minute. Because I really haven't been touching a lot on this lately because there's so much going on. But I think there's really important stuff to get into. Now, and again, this overlaps with the very point about controlling what you can say, censorship tracking what you're doing, as well as seeding the conversation with such ridiculous misinformation that they then use that to censor or hide or just deride the truth that is also spread along the same platforms, right? This is very real, whether that's what that was or not. That is absolutely happening. Here is Andrew Bridgden, Josh uh, Gutzkow shares, still beating this drum, despite him being reprimanded and removed and all it's just it's he's still going after it and the point is he's pointing out something that we recently talked about which is that there's no these studies are coming out now showing that there is clearly actually oh i I should josh gets the credit for this he's the first person that i saw do this and i reached out to him about this i was actually asking him if he thought this had to do with some of the things we were recently talking about but that there's a bit of bait and switch which we've talked about right the idea that they studied one thing but then put out something different and here's what andrew bridgen had to say about this Madam Deputy Speaker, evidence has now emerged from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem that the Pfizer COVID vaccine rolled out across the world was not the same, nor was it manufactured in the same way as the vaccine trialled on 44,000 volunteers and subsequently given emergency use approval. If ministers were unaware of this, then potentially the MHRA has committed a criminal act. 
Madam Deputy Speaker, no one could have given informed consent because the public were misled. And this also explains the huge difference between the Pfizer data and our own yellow card data with regard to adverse events. Can we have a statement from the government at their earliest convenience? Oh, of course not. <laughs> of course not, because they don't care what he says, which always tends to show you very clearly that this is not a real governing body. These people aren't objective. I had a great interview today with Freddie Ponton that I'm putting out tomorrow. I'm also going to be interviewing Vanessa Bealy on this about France, both of them, and I'll probably put both of them out tomorrow. But we had a great conversation about just that. He made a really interesting point that we're past politics at this point. Like politics are what they use to keep us fighting each other. They don't care about the wedge issue in politics. That's what they, they wedge issue. They wedge them between us as opposed to caring about them. It's really important to think about. So what he's basically saying is that, you know, can, can somebody do something about this? And you look at the crowd, you look at people sitting there, the few people that show up, and you just see their faces. Like, he's not proposing anything that's outrageous. The government's been caught lying before. Pharmaceutical companies, of course, have been caught lying more than anybody. So him proposing the idea that it looks like they might have been lying, can we get a comment on that? And you see them just going, oh, here we go. It shows you this shocking lack of objectivity. When you're supposed to be the people that are seeking this out, right? Or more so the supposed journalists do it. It's just hilarious and scary how this is where we are. Here's another example. We've already talked about, we've talked about this for a long time. Since the very first autopsy that was done that found, M, that found mRNA, and as well as their study from Pfizer themselves, that found lipid nanoparticles, which contains the instructions to make that mRNA, everywhere in the body. The very first autopsy found it in every single organ in the body. That was not hyperbole. It was peer-reviewed. Funny how no one cares about that, and the people claiming they want to keep you safe. Well, here's another example. The Lancet study comes out finds 74% were caused by the vaccine of the, of the autopsies they found. 74%. The, the Lancet removes the study within 24 hours. Isn't that interesting? Peer-reviewed, gets posted, and then, uh-oh, it says something we don't like. Quickly, find a reason to take it down. It's very sad. Dr. Peter McCullough chimes in and says, hi, after high volume of downloads, and that's the problem, you see, they don't really care when you lie, or rather point out the truth, I should say, when they frame it as lying. If it doesn't get any reach, but if it starts getting reach, my point is you can go on YouTube right now and say literally everything you're not supposed to say and get one view. They don't care. They'll, they'll leave it up forever. But the moment it starts getting traction, oh, now it's a problem. That tells you everything you need to know. He says, after high volume of downloads on, on the Lancet, they censor the paper. They don't want the truth to get out on autopsies and COVID-19 deaths, vaccine deaths, excuse me. Why not let people read it and make up their own conclusions? Of course, because that's exactly why, you know, Mr. Coward Hotez and Mr. MZ Dog Maniac screaming and cussing and everybody are trying to tell you, no, because that's what, that's going to give him a place next to scientists. <laughs> no, the reality is it's terrifying. People like this are terrified to have their ideas challenged. And that's why they're all melting down in front of you. It's, it's, it's to a degree, it's enjoyable to watch, but at the same time, it's just, we have to realize that we, we can't get mired in these, in the, 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 the petty games. That's why we always say be better. Put these people behind you and move forward. Fight for things we can prove. Let them dwindle into the background, right? The more that we keep pointing at and attacking them, it keeps them in the spotlight. Now, in no way am I saying no, remove accountability. Keep that focus, absolutely. But when it comes to the work, like I've had so many things that I've put aside about Hotez. It's just not worth it. They are not important, guys. These people are absolute ridiculous clowns that have been caught. And they're just dwindling and their leaves blowing away in the wind right now. And we just need to keep at the focus, right? But nonetheless, it, to a degree, it's nice to watch people like that get their comeuppance, if you'll put it that way. But 
Here is the study itself. Now, it's been removed, so it's on the way back machine. So unfortunately, we only have the abstract. But here's what it says. The aim of this system, the systematic review is, a, is to investigate possible causal links between COVID-19 vaccine administration and the death using, the death using autopsies and postmortem analysis. You know, it's just amazing how this can be contentious. Uh, you know, th- th- there's no justifiable rationale to take this down. Other than the fact that what they found, you just, you just don't like. Everything in here is completely valid. It is That's why it was peer-reviewed. It says, we searched for all published autopsy and, and necropsy reports relating to COVID vaccination up until May 18th, 2023, right? So it doesn't guarantee that they're related. That's why it was only 74%. But they just scooped up every possible, you know, notated as potentially caused by the vaccine and looked into the, you know what? That's exactly what the CDC says they're supposed or pretends they're doing. That's what they're supposed to be doing for VAERS. They don't. They've actually admitted that more than once, and we've proven that. So explain for me how they're able to make this happen, but you can't do that. They're running from that is the point, and now you'll see why. The most implicated organ system in COVID-19 vaccine-associated death, of course, was the cardiovascular system. 53% of these people, these, these dead people, they found a cardiovascular issue that was related to the vaccine, followed by... The hematological system, 17%, the respiratory system, 8%, and multiple organ systems, 7%. Three or more organ systems were affected in 21 cases. The, the average time from vaccination to death was, guess what, guys? 14.3%. You know why that's so incredibly relevant? Because it's the exact amount of time they pretend that anything that happens until then is all unvaccinated. That's not by accident. That was a very carefully chosen concept. Now, that's why Scotland and other places do 21 days, just probably just to make sure. But the point is that 14.3 days is the average time. So that means the, 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 the a majority or a lot of them, maybe half, if not more, I think it's more, would end up falling into that category where they would get the injection, die within one day, die within four, 13 and a half days. So that still counts as unvaccinated, as we've proven to you 100 times. They say it right on their own documentation. It's either unvaccinated or within this time frame, and that's how they do it. Because they argue the vaccine doesn't take effect until 14 days. But that has nothing to do with the safety. That's about the efficacy. You see, but they blend those together to manipulate soccer moms that don't know how to understand what they're talking. I shouldn't be that. Plenty of soccer moms are gigantically smarter than a lot of these ridiculous doctors. The point is they're trying to manipulate the people that don't look into this on a regular basis. The people that just kind of glance at what the CDC says and look at what Fauci says and go, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. That's the people they try to manipulate. But those people are starting to wake up. High likelihood of a causal link between COVID vaccines and death in most cases. Think about what they said there. Did they say, absolute, you know, which by the way, we have every right to do. We can prove, and I mean prove absolutely, not, not evidence, proof that these things are deadly, dangerous, killing people. There's no question. And I've been saying that for a while because it's true. They said a high likelihood of causal link, and that gets pulled down? What more do we need to see? This is an incredible violation. Of course, one of the big points, funding, none. None. As opposed to all the massive amount of funding that goes to these scientists from the NIH and the CDC, which absolutely influences what they frame, how they frame their findings or what they find. Not that there's actually papers written on how that works. (laughs) It's trust the science would mean you have to understand that that's part of the game. Now, John Mappin points something out that I just agree with. He says, The Lancet, and this is in quote tweeting Toby Young's, the, the editor of 
uh, Daily Skeptic's article saying the Lancet needs to be thoroughly investigated for corrupt medical practices. I agree. The suppression of scientific fact in order to abet pharma in crimes against humanity during the so-called pandemic has resulted in one of the most vicious genocides in history. The Lancet is no longer to be trusted. Well, you know, here's an important point. I know that this is just something it's a lot of times language can be very loose when you're just making a point or the point is I'm not implying that he's thinking we should trust anything, but it's more of a point to say that they're not to be trusted. But think about this in the sense that we never should have been trusting any of these people. Anybody, any of them. There's, I don't know why anybody just blindly trusts authority. That is, it's, I don't even know why somebody would push back on that. The entire point of authority or government is that they're supposed to be held accountable. Isn't that the whole point of what we say are checks and balances? Why do we have checks and balances if we're just supposed to trust them? But see, the whole idea of checks and balance, that stuff is drifting away. Right now, they're building into this new society where we just have to listen to our betters. You know what? It's not a new society. It's exactly what they tried to build decades ago and failed to some degree. And now they're coming back out to do it again. It's the same eugenics and technocrats that have always been trying to do this. Now, that's not something that's not even hyperbole, but people will think that sounds crazy if they don't understand the history. Those responsible in the media should be tried in court for their part in all of this. I agree with that. Now, here's another alarming reality. The Lancet comes out with another big study. It's interesting timing, isn't it? Right after people are going, yeah, these things are deadly, and it's all the examples we need, all the peer-reviewed science, you know, like the BMJ says these injections are causing net harm. <laughs> so can, can make sense of how you can say that these injections cause net harm. Net harm, meaning if you to help to, to solve or it was one hospitalization to be stopped, one, it might it would cause up to 18 to 20 serious adverse events. That's in general. Right. And that's one of many. And that's the British Medical Journal. Then all of a sudden, the same platform, the Lancet, who we are pointing out are blatantly manipulating science over here, came out with a study that says global impact of the first year of COVID vaccination, a mathematical modeling study. They say. COVID vaccines saved an estimated 19.8 million lives in the first year. I, I don't you, read it for yourself. There's a, a there's a, a, a mathematical formula, but explain for me how you could possibly know that. The point is you absolutely cannot. That's why it is an estimate. Now, I'm not saying it means it's fake, but I find this impossible to believe with all that we know and everything we've already proven and all the other peer-reviewed science, but people will go, that's the one. This is the one. Mic drop. It's over while ignoring 14 of the studies that are far larger with more absolute evidence that are random controlled trials that are peer-reviewed. Like, it's just so ridiculous where this goes. My point was estimations using modeling because that's worked out so well so far, right? Don't forget Neil Ferguson and Imperial College of London is how this started. 3.6% death rate was a blatant lie. And when I say that, that doesn't mean because it was wrong. I mean, it's already been proven that the way that they decided that number was based on their opinion. Based on their perception on this that had nothing to do with science, but they presented that as statistically based on science. Now, it's still a long time ago that this was discussed, so it's probably distant in people's minds, but it's true. And the reality was they knew that 3.6 was like they thought. That was the other point, actually. Not only did they jump to this conclusion based on their opinion, they chose the highest possible part of that. So there was a range they had, and they just went with the highest number. Now, that may seem okay if you're talking about the risk, but the point is they didn't make that clear. That's all deception. And that's why they still pretend this is the biggest pandemic of the century, even though it was less than the flu, according to peer-reviewed science right now. But I said, 
Uh, so because I said by people, estimations by uh, using modeling, by people who have already shown that they are willing to ignore the peer-reviewed science they disagree with. Is anybody wrong? disagree with that? I'll show a study. They go, oh, that's the fake. That's those fake guys. It's peer-reviewed. You're the people saying, you don't get to pick and choose what science you listen to, but that's what they're doing. They've taken a page from your book, Neil Ferguson, <laughs> lying with statistics. Just felt like tagging him. This is where we are, where they're still trying to pretend this was a monumental success, even though Fauci wrote an entire article about the, how the entire model of this vaccination process was ultimately a failure. But somehow it was still a success because, you know, politics, narrative, right? Well, here's another alarming reality that is still happening. We've talked about this at length, and this really bothers me. We talked about the Red Cross lying, knowingly hiding the reality. This was September 2022. By the way, still their, standard, their, their stated policy. It says, we do not label blood products as containing vaccinated or unvaccinated blood because the COVID vaccine does not enter the bloodstream. We all know that's not true. Here, as I've said many times, yet another peer-reviewed study, there's three at least that I know of, that says you're wrong. How is it that we can know this and yet you're still standing by that statement? You're putting people in danger and you're accountable for this action or lack thereof. This is from 2023. SARS-CoV-2 spike mRNA vaccine sequences circulate in the blood up to 28 days. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's objectively false what they're saying. Completely opposite. So this is going to make some people pretty upset. And this is very sad. This is what is happening. And we've made this clear many, many times. We've covered it in this very article in regard to vaxxed Red Cross blood donations. Not only do they know that this is a risk, we know that being in the blood does also cause a risk, and we know that there's already been one child that has died because of this. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is another one. I took my son into the IWK hospital September, and um, he had a swollen elbow. So I was getting it checked out, and they ended up doing his blood work. To make a long story short, his hemoglobin came back, and it was very low. It was extremely low that to the point where he was going to need a blood transfusion. And I said, oh, no problem. I have no problem giving my blood for blood transfusion. Um, Given all my research and studies that I have done with the blood supply and the vaccines and everything, I wanted to make sure that the blood that he was given was was uh was safe so i ended up rallying up about 300 donors to uh give blood to my child because he was o positive and myself was o positive and uh i was denied by the uh nova scotia blood the blood supply in nova scotia that uh this couldn't be done and that i couldn't be a trans i couldn't be a donor to my son as as well and um, it was all denied. And then I ended up having to give him uh, donated blood from the blood bank. He, he died okay. November the 21st. Okay. God, man. Hard to listen to. Now, you, I, you, can, you can make the argument to be objective that, you know, it's certainly possible that he could have died from something else. But realize it's, it's almost more alarming to me that they won't allow the mother to make the choice. We already saw this with the hospital in the UK where they were literally going, no. The mom was like, I will give blood. I've got four other people here who are willing to give blood. And they said, no, you have to use, that's just, that. that's vitriol, right? You're being malicious because you think they're doing it for, for the reason they are, but you think that's crazy. That's not your choice, nurse. That's not your choice to decide 
whether or not they can use that. I mean, if she's O positive, does anybody think she doesn't have, I mean, historically, of course, that's almost always, that's actually what usually happens. You're in the hospital and they go, are one of your family members here to give blood? When did that change? Well, when suddenly there was a weird narrative that made them want to make sure they use the blood from the bank that is probably contaminated. Now, why is that? I just, I, I, I cannot wrap my mind around how that, there, there's, I don't see how that can be anything other than some kind of, at least behind all these people, at some level, the choice is sinister. Why are you pushing that? Why wouldn't you allow them to give blood if they have the same blood type? You see what I'm saying? Like, there's just no logic there unless there's some weird reason that we don't know that they've been told to only make sure we give blood from this location. It makes me sick. And then her son died. And of course, not their fault. No accountability there, even though it very well could have been exactly that. Now, think about this. He went in with a swollen elbow. And it turned, and then he gets a blood transfusion and dies. What else would you argue? So, is, is it his elbow that caused him to die? Something in this process clearly caused him to become. And it, 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 there's no way around that. But yet, we don't get to talk about it because you're conspiracy theorist. If you say anything negative about this, like any other conversations we're having right now, this is why they're trying to completely crack down across the world on information because they're losing control of every one of these narratives. They're losing control in general. Do you have any evidence that it was because of tainted blood? Have you looked into that? No, no. My son was cremated, and there was an autopsy done, but they said that he died from underlying conditions. What does that mean? What do you mean, underlying conditions? He went in healthy with a elbow problem. You see what I'm saying? Like that's a from if a doctor's putting that down, that tells me this person's hiding something. Now, you know, that's my opinion. But how else do you explain that? Which possibly could have happened, but it's the way he died that uh, kind of struck home for me. There was no evidence that he was going to die or that right. he was sick in any way. He got his blood transfusion. We get out of the hospital. It was around three weeks after. I think we were in the hospital for a good couple of weeks. Wow. And... Um, we were getting our blood done. We seen the pediatrician. He was everything was good. <clears throat> on November the twenty first at five twenty four p.m., he was sitting on my knee, and he just stopped blinking and um, he passed yeah. away. Yeah. There he, was no indication that he was sick or he was going to yeah. pass away, and he didn't have any heart condition. And how old was he when this happened? He was eleven years old. Okay. So it happened. Um, 12 weeks after the blood transfusion. Right. I mean, it's just, it's such an, again, if this outside the COVID mania or just the hyper-politicized everything we're living through right now, any investigator or researcher would start right there. And then, of course, when there's no, uh, and again, what do you mean underlying causes? How is that even, a, that's like saying SIDS or SADS. That's like saying, well, something happened. It's not the thing you think it is because we're not supposed to talk about that. I just, I just, this kind of thing really makes me, this is the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. The fact that that we have been fighting this battle for three and a half years, and yet this is still happening. How is that possible? There's something really, really dark about a lot about all of this. And let's not forget that one of the main points I keep making about the process. What what what, what do they ultimately do by by forcing this in in all of these positions? Military, police, hospitals, doctors, nurses. What they did is they forced out anybody with integrity. Again, even if you think they're wrong, it takes integrity to stand by what you believe in. They forced out anybody who has, has integrity 
anybody that was smart enough to see what was going on. So you're left with people who are either too stupid to know they're wrong or don't care. Those are the people deciding for the life of this child. That's where we are right now. And uh, I understand he died of cardiac arrest. And you tried and to. That's what my that's what my doctor thinks he he had passed away with, but the autopsy said that he passed away from underlying condition, okay. which possibly could have been because I didn't have anything tested or any means to test his blood after he had the blood to make sure that his blood was okay. okay. And you had rallied some people that had the same blood type as, as he did. And I, I understand you have the same blood type as he. I have O positive. And, yeah. and the hospital either didn't want to or wasn't able to use any of your blood. Is that fair? Yeah, I was, I was, I would, my, my parental rights would have been taken away if I hadn't chosen to go the route of the donated blood donation from the blood clinic. Did you hear that? Guys, see, this is where we are. In Canada, it seems like it's one of the, you misgender in places like that. It's, it's, it's just, it's blowing my mind. They would take her child away if she didn't allow the thing that she knew was wrong. Even though she has the, op- the ability, she, I have O positive, take my blood. No, you have to do this. And if you don't, we're going to take your child and do it anyway. So there's really nothing you can do. This is what this is. This is living in an authoritarian state. This is alarming, and it's just the re, and it's only going to get worse once it steps into more of a globalized perspective. In the same way, um, I tried to rally them, but there was no way that uh, I could have used my blood or anybody else's blood. And my fear was that he would have gutted vaccinated blood, and then he and he would have died from that. You made a comment their parental rights would be taken away. Um, can you add to that and just let us know how? Well, if I didn't agree to the blood transfusion, um, the pediatrician on at that point in time said that my parental rights would have been removed. And Guys, think about that. The doctor literally threatened her. What world do we live in? This is not, this is, these people are not doctors. This is not how this is supposed to go. This, this is alarming as hell. The idea that they're going, well, you face to face, if you don't do this, we're taking your kid away. I can't even believe that's something that actually happened. That, that is disgusting. Exactly. It's medical kidnapping. We used to write about this a lot, in fact. Chemotherapy, right, where they would force, even though the mother and the kid didn't want these things, even though, you know, it, we can go off forever about this. So a heart attack. An 11-year-old child has a heart attack with no pre, no existing issues before that. And they just go underlying conditions. This is sinister. I, I would have to leave the hospital and Luke would have ended up getting the transfusion anyways. <clears throat> so I decided to stay and okay the transfusion under duress. So just make sure I got this right. The pedi- pediatrician said that if you didn't agree to a blood transfusion... That, yeah, there wasn't any option. There wasn't, I couldn't use my blood, nor could I use the donors or anybody else that would want to donate to my son. I, the, the only option I had was to use blood from the Nova Scotia blood bank. There was, there was no talk. There was no, there was nothing either. I did it this way or I, I would have, they would have took my parent the rights away and I would have ended up having to do it anyways. Yeah, 
remember the days when you're asking for a second opinion? I get, you know, it's, it's a, imagine being a doctor and knowing that 30 seconds ago, that's what you, you know, informed consent, parental rights, second opinions, do no harm, right? Hippocratic oath. All these things used to be, so, it's just like, it's like they just literally went out the window. Why? Because all those people got fired and you're left with the maniacs. You had concern about getting blood from the Canadian blood bank. What was the kind of information that you gather in order to raise some question about that? It would have been what was in the vaccine that was killing people or making people sick. My worries that it was going to be in the blood if it was infused out. Spike for proteins or graphene oxide would have been in the blood that would have been able that would have harmed him in some way. Now, whether or not you think she's correct and what she thinks might be in there or whatever we're talking about, right? The bottom line is that, in my opinion, because I, I can't tell for sure this is how it went down, but this is what we've seen happen already, where she goes in and she expresses that, well, I, hold on, I want, I want, I want to be, I want to give my blood or I want somebody else's blood. Now, maybe if it was just that, even then, in their minds, they're going, oh, here we go, a conspiracy theorist. But what happens is these people, the parents, will express that concern and say, I don't know, I think the vaccine might be in there. And then it's, it's just over. These people are so primed to kick back on anything like that, that they don't care about their own mandates. And let's not, again, let's not forget this is not up for debate. There's multiple peer-reviewed studies that make this abundantly clear that if you have vaccine sequences, you've got mRNA. And on top of that, we've already proven spike protein circulates your blood for I mean, we have, we have another study that talks about weeks, even longer than that. And then realize that the mRNA has the instruction to make spike protein. Let's, let's let alone the lipid nanoparticles that it's delivered in, which also has its own problems. All of these have been found in the body. Look, if we're finding this in autopsied bodies, do you get the point? It doesn't go away, guys. It's in your body. These people died and it's still in their organs. So if you're taking blood from these people, it's passing to the person you're giving the blood to. That's not even a question. What are we talking about? This child died because people are either too stupid to know what they're doing or they don't care. It makes me really sad. Well, I, I feel like sometimes I harp too much on this because I just, in that moment, I just can't get past it. You know, it's hard to do this when you care about people and life. But here's another person that I would say doesn't. Mr. Ian Copeland, clown, PhD. This guy is such a ridiculous person. I mean, it really is one of these people out there that it's just, he's one of these, one, just like, Z-Dog and all these other people that are like burning down in front of us right now. Here's another one. He just continues to push this concept. And it's like, it's, it's, it keeps getting ratioed to high hell. It just, it's, it's just crazy. It just continues to happen. He's posting studies that he claims one thing and it takes 10 seconds to look. And you're like, man, this guy is intentionally deceiving or is too stupid to know. I've heard all week that vaccines don't undergo safety studies with placebos. Now, this is the point that we keep talking about. No, what people have talked about it stems from the conversation RFK, and there's there's more than just this one sentence, right? The idea is specifically about placebo-controlled studies, but talking about on top of that, which is the second and most important part, saline versus a vaccine comparative, and that's the point. That's the same conversation. If you're using another vaccine, it's not a placebo-controlled study, but see, this is where they get into the word games where they've been calling this a placebo because that's what they use. But we'll get into the real definition. And even if you pretend the definition means can apply to a vaccine, even though it literally can't, 
we all know that we understand this is a placebo being a salt, a, a saline placebo. Why? Because the only way to get the full picture on how bad something is, is compare it to nothing. If you compare it to something that has its own reactive problems or can, at the very least, you'll make it look less, which we've been telling you forever. And we'll get into this right now. Let's make a point about this. I think this is important. And we'll go into a WHO study about this very concept. But here he says, see, a bunch of liars. It had all these placebos, virtually identical proportion. He goes, care to explain? And, you know, everyone, trusting, <laughs> taking L after L, everyone's laughing. The point is that you can look at this information and see that what they're really talking about. And I'll, I'll just get into the main part here. Oh, actually, I thought I had an image of that. Well, yeah, I'll go scope to Josh's point, and you'll see what I, the point about this is what he's saying is, ultimately, he's saying this person did a great job just because it says placebo doesn't mean it's a placebo, right? This is where we get into what the placebo word is being used as. They use it 54 times in the document, but they don't ever get into what it actually is, and that's important. And then even further, when you realize when you dig into it, you find out, that it's not. And this is why he goes in. He says, what's crazy is you guys are so backward. This is after he's been exposed for this, right? So he's pretending that it is a placebo. You're wrong. And then when somebody points out that it's not saline, which is what he is actually insinuating, it says, you guys are so backwards. You guys really believe this. You believe that the only true placebo is saline. You see the point? Well, that's what everybody following you was thinking you were saying, man. And that's what they know they're insinuating that it's a placebo, meaning that it's a inert substance that you're supposed to use to compare it to. He goes, that's BS. You don't know what you're talking about. At the end of the day, the study has placebos. Well, sure. If you put it in a, a, the smallpox vaccine and call it a placebo, sure, why not? You could say they have placebos because they name it a placebo, but that's not what a placebo is. See, here's his point. Vaccines are safe. That's the crux of their argument. And I'll show you what I mean. And 99% of the U.S. is vaxxed, so... <laughs> What an ignorant argument, but that's all he has, man. And you can read through this for yourself. It's really embarrassing. Jiggy Leaks has been knocking this guy down left and right, literally exposing the basic fat, fundamental flaws he has in his arguments, and he doesn't even half the time respond. But here's the point. From 2014, placebo used in vaccine trials. <clears throat> now, this is where they began to really argue this. Before this, it was pretty customary that what they used was most likely a saline placebo or something that was at the, that same level of being inert. And actually, let's just start with this. Here's the definition of placebo. And it varies slightly, but it's generally this. Usually pharmacologically inert preparation, meaning, just to give you the exact definition, lacking the ability to strengthen or move, lacking vigor. I guess that's not the best. Usually there's a medical definition somewhere in here. Chemically inactive, that's good. The point, you know what it means. It means it's, it's water or something that has no, no ability to cause a reaction in your body. But the inert preparation prescribed more for mental relief. Oh, and that gets into the idea of saying like a placebo in the sense that you're giving somebody something that is like the placebo effect, right? Where you give somebody a pill that's, a, that's just aspirin and tell them that it's going to cause their foot pain and they take it and they feel better. That's the placebo effect. Their mind thought it was a pill for their foot and then their foot felt better. That's a real thing. There's actually scientific studies about that. But then the other one just says an inert or innocuous substance, same point, used especially in controlled experiments. I mean, it's very clear we're talking about here. It's something that is not going to have a reaction, right? But here's where they got into this argument. And this is the same thing Del Bigtree said they would do with the COVID discussion, and they did. This moral obligation to give the control group injections because they're in danger, which undermines the very point of the study itself, right? Using moral pleas to give something dangerous to people is about the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. 
However, it says controversy surrounds the appropriate design of vaccine trials. Not really. This is just like this faux controversy they're pushing in because I genuinely think the idea is to use something that makes the side effects look less. It says, in particular, the use of unvaccinated controls when an efficacious vaccine already exists. Now, their point in this one, before we get into the, the, it says with or without placebo, so there's two parts to this. You have a study where you take somebody who has nothing in their body, or more, you could say, I mean, it's the same point. You could say, take somebody that never got anything and then just kind of study them for two months and then give another group an injection and study them for two months. And the argument is that, you know, you're comparing it to never taking it versus taking it. That very, that almost never happens because it's very clear then when you can see the side effects. Then you could talk about if you actually gave them a shot and one group gets a saline and one group gets the shot. That's more customarily what we have. Either one of them, the argument is, well, you have a group that is potentially going to get sick from whatever we say is might might be happening. Now, in the sense of like a pandemic, that's more so how they argue this, that it's such a big deal. They could die tomorrow. We can't just not give them what we know is going to help them. Well, how exactly do you know it's going to help them if you haven't studied it yet? That's quite a quite an oxymoron uh, contradictor contradiction there. But the other part of it is I just well, I just lost it. What was it? The. Well, anyway, so anyway, I had a thought I was going to add there, but so the point is they give them one shot versus the other. You can compare them. But if you give one of them an injection with something that has an adjuvant in it, that's another vaccine, those things have side effects. Then when you compare it to the other vaccine, it's being tested to find out if it's dangerous. Well, they use percentages there, right? Well, there was 10 heart attacks over here and there was 20 over there. So it's that much more dangerous. But if you gave it a saline, it would be double that. It's very basic. But so they basically push the argument that they need to be able to give people these shots because they're in danger. Oh, that was the point that if it's, it's a pandemic, it's easier to argue that because, well, oh, we, we say it's super serious. But here's the point for today. They're making this argument in all sorts of new injections. The, the tridemic one we're going to get to or the new one I just discussed. This new, uh, which one was it? We just talked about it. It was, I think it was a new flu shot. I forget exactly what it was, but it, it, I pointed out in the show, in the, the control was an, inner, was an in, inactivated COVID vaccine. And the point is, how do you rationalize that? It's not like they're all going to die tomorrow. You're doing this for RSV injections and, and stuff like that. So their argument is, well, RSV can kill you. So therefore we have to give them that. Well, that doesn't even make sense anymore. So we're going to skip past safety trials because you may die tomorrow. Well, everybody may die tomorrow. Those things aren't that dangerous. You see, you're getting my point. So now this is all designed to push you into a world where they just have to pretend that you're so at risk from everything that we have to give you whatever we think might help, even if we haven't tested it properly. Now, down here, it says low and middle income countries, LMICs, that's what they're going to reference. It says randomized placebo controlled trials are widely considered the gold standard for evaluating the safety and efficacy of the new vaccine. It's almost like they just don't care about the safety and all they look at is the efficacy, just like with COVID. We got a response. Give it to everybody. In these trials, participants are randomized to receive either the vaccine under investigation or a placebo, an inert substance, such as a saline injection. It says it right there. That's what it's supposed to be, even according to the WHO. There's articles, the studies discussing the shift into what we're talking about. So people like Ian Copeland over here are blatantly wrong about the idea that that's just how it's always been. They're wrong. Randomization and the use of placebo interventions are designed to control for confounding effects. Exactly. 
such that significant differences in disease incident or adverse effects between the vaccine and control group can be attributed to the vaccine. Very simple, right? So if you use something that causes effects, it makes it harder to define the problem. Why would they want that? I think you know why. It says, however, randomized placebo-controlled trial designs often raise ethical concerns. This is what we're talking about. When participants in the control arm are deprived of an existing vaccine. Okay, you're in the process of trying to find out if it's safe. How do you know they're deprived of something if it's not? Well, it gets into another part of this. And this is even more crazy to me. It says, furthermore, testing a new vaccine against placebo is scientifically and ethically fraught when the hypothesis being tested is whether an experimental vaccine is more efficacious than one already in use in the same or other settings. Is that what we're doing? What about when you're making a brand new thing? How does that work? That's why we showed you in one of these trials, which did happen, they used a meningitis vaccine to compare to the COVID injection. The point is that now they're trying to make this argument about, well, it's not about testing to see if it's safe. It's about testing to see if it's safer and better than the one we've already told you is safe. But that's not the truth, though, right? So now they're going safe and effective, right? The COVID vaccine, safe and effective. We've heard it a hundred thousand times, but it's not, though. But see, the narrative is that it is. So next time they do this study, you know what they're going to do? Like I just showed you, they take the older one, which they swear is safe and effective. But that doesn't say, but safe and effective doesn't even mean it's not that it doesn't have side effects. They tell you that they all do. But yet they argue, well, it's already safe. So we'll compare that one to the new one. And then when we look at it, and that's the point from before, look, there's 20 heart attacks here. There's 30 over there. It's barely, it's, it's almost as good. It's like, it's like skipping over any reality that these side effects are showing you that's actually happening. But we know that's what's going on. We've proven this with their own phase three trials. They lied aggressively about the side, and yet the government knows this and doesn't care. What more do we need to see? Some guidelines call for exclusion of placebo use altogether when there's a proven or established effective intervention against the condition under study. See my point? So it's just, this, this is bent almost illogic. Like it does, it's not even logic. This does not make sense to me. The idea that we are arguing that it was likely beneficial to them. So we're going to skip past the very point of proving that it's safe. It doesn't make sense. While this paper focuses specifically on the use of placebo controls, similar considerations apply to open designs in which a placebo is not used, but an unvaccinated control group is included. <clears throat> and it's the same point they make that, well, these people are here and we're giving them, a, 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 we're giving them nothing. We can't just do that. That's unethical. Well, yeah, you can. That's how a study is conducted. It says placebo use in vaccine trials is clearly, ex- well, you know, I'm just going to skip this because it's the same kind of points. They're basically just giving you examples of when it's acceptable and when it's not to use a placebo. That's ridiculous. It's always, if you're doing a study and you want to find the true outcome, there's only one way to do that. With all the only unacceptable terms are just what we said. When there's another vaccine that's usable that we can give instead or that we, that we have a, a big enough risk that we have to skip past the trial and give them this. Yeah, what do they do when they do that? They hide all the side effects and they remove all the data going forward, just like they did with the COVID injections. They destroyed the control group by giving them all the injection because we had to. No, it was a way to hide what was going on, but yet we get to see it anyway from their own trials. In the situation, a placebo-controlled trial would not address a question that is relevant in the local context, namely how the new vaccine compares to the one that is currently in use. 
and participants would be exposed to unacceptable levels of risk from delaying or foregoing a safe and effective vaccine that is accessible. See, this is the point, though. Just because you guys have argued that it is safe and effective doesn't mean that it is. We've proven to you that that's not the case with these injections, and they're still saying it anyway. To clarify what I said before, the phase three trial showed us that the side effects were outrageous. 36% higher serious adverse events with Pfizer's injection versus not taking it. That's, that is the latest peer-reviewed study that is not retracted, right up, easy to look up. The point, though, is that when they gave them the shots after that, they removed the long-term control group, right? The idea that these people who never got it would, after five years, be dramatically more healthy than the people that got it alongside them. And that's what they did. I, I quite frankly think that's on purpose. An existing vaccine is tested against a placebo to evaluate its safety and efficacy in the trial country prior to uptake and introduction into the health system. As there is sometimes insufficient information about the safety and efficacy of existing vaccines in different settings, the status of an existing vaccine as established effective in, in a particular local context may need to be determined. Lastly, it says, or two last parts, investigators, let me see. Yeah, it says investigators, sponsors, and RECs should consider different types of placebo interventions. So here's where the WHO is trying to nudge into this direction. Rather than using a true placebo control, yet again showing you that Ian is wrong, an inert substance, which is a true placebo control, it may be appropriate to use a vaccine against a disease that is not the focus of the trial. Why? For example, an ongoing malaria vaccine trial provides non-malaria vaccines to participants in the control arm. What exactly is the point of that other than to make it look like it's less damaging? The motivation for using these types of placebos is to benefit participants in the control arm and avoid giving an injection with inert substance. Oh, what? So like you're somehow obligated to give them something that benefits them? Why does that make sense? Even though we know that's not benefiting them. However, this motivation underscores the importance of ensuring that the comparator vaccines are proven to be beneficial in the study population. You see the point? Well, according to them, there's nothing dangerous about anything. So we're lost in this discussion. Furthermore, it is important, it says, to recognize that trials using such placebos may provide a less perfect control if the effects of the comparator vaccines confound the elevation of the risk-benefit profile of the experimental vaccine. But do it anyway, though, because that's what we're telling you. Like, this is the kind of like saying, we care about your free speech, but we're going to stop your free speech. For this reason, the use of placebos may also be less acceptable to regulators or health public authorities and potentially delay approval. Can't have that. Now, last part, it says the framework sets out the conditions under which placebo use is clearly acceptable and clearly not. It then specifies four situations. That's not important. That the risk of using a placebo control are justified by the social or public health value of the research and that the research is responsive to local health needs. Wouldn't you argue that the local health needs would be better benefited by finding out if it's safe as opposed to giving them something just in case? This is logic coming from our health authorities today. Well, here's another point. Great article from Activist Post, the false placebo. <clears throat> they mention one of the points we were just discussing. This is, uh, it, there is suddenly a lot of interest in people who may have received a placebo vaccine. In this case, we're talking about the Danish study that we mentioned earlier in a previous show. According to media reports, scientists have uncovered evidence that a large quantity of Pfizer shots deployed in the EU may in fact have consisted of placebos and that the German regulator knew this and did not subject them to quality controlled testing. The basis for this assertion was the March 2023 Danish study published in European Journal of Clinical Investigation. 
And they rightly point out, however, that evidence of the Danish study is unclear. It doesn't mean it's false, though. It likely there's been more than one study that has made this argument. Now, that's in, that we've talked about this. You can read more about it on the study. The link will be below. But what I wanted to point out was this part of it, the false placebo. The authority on vaccines, the WHO, recommends using an older vaccine for saline and placebo. And this was the point that we were referencing there, just to give them the shout out for covering this exact point. They get into some pretty interesting things. And this is the stuff we were just mentioning. It says, meaning if they are testing a new vaccine, it would be unethical to test it against saline when an older proven safe version exists. So they can use the older version as a placebo and therefore not derive, deprive the study participant of the protection the protection of a deadly vaccine that we've proven is deadly. I'm talking about COVID, obviously. It is also considered ethical to use an adjuvant in lieu of a vaccine when the vaccine being studied has that adjuvant. Explain that to me. So you can use an aluminum adjuvant as a placebo if the adjuvant has been around enough to have been studied for safety, or so we're told. Mind-blowing. An acceptable standard of care in vaccine trials means that the control group could receive either a vaccine, such as the Hep B vaccine, or an injection with an adjuvant aluminum hydroxide, which we've also talked about. This is not okay. Pediatricians responsible for administering the vaccine schedule for children seem in particular to be uninformed about the properties of aluminum adjuvants, which we've talked about a lot. They're dangerous. Aluminum adjuvants and vaccines are designed to remain in the body. There they trigger a cytokine storm that manifests a... Uh... Gosh, it's one of these words that I remember. I've always read that I look it up and I just made this point the other day. I want to remember before I look it up. I always want to say sequela, and I know I feel like that's wrong. Hold on. Oh, I got it right. Okay, sequela. I got it. I always feel like it's wrong, though. A sequela of symptoms known as autoimmune autoinflammatory syndromes uh, induced by adjuvants, ASIA. That's the acronym. An adjuvant placebo is not a placebo at all. Studies confirm that adjuvated vaccines that claim to treat infectious disease lead to the development of autoimmune disorders. Like, so all they're basically doing is maintaining the problem in all the rest of the control population so they can pretend that, no, that's just what everybody else is dealing with. It's not the injection. That's how this game works. Now, the last point to think about, guys, if they're using a vaccine on the placebo side, you know what else is also happening? Profit. They're making profit on both sides. Right now, understand not every case they're profiting because if they're doing their own study, for example, they're the ones to conducting it, then they're not going to pay themselves. But there are cases where they're giving these things to be studied and they don't just give them away. So in some cases, they are also making profit off of this. Now, that's just a unique side point. It's not in every case. But that think about that. There's an active use here. But I think it's more so about the fact that these things are hiding the reality. Now, here's a great clip. I think uh, Texas Lindsay put this out of Fauci, a montage showing you how often, and not just like debatable points where he just, the narrative evolved, but where you can quite literally prove that he said one thing and then said he never said that thing. I don't know why people can't see how blatantly dishonest this person is. Topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. I I don't know how many times I can say it, Madam Chair. We did not fund 
gain-of-function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Anyway, so let me just go on about NIH lifts funding pause on gain-of-function research that might be anticipated to create, transfer, or use enhanced potential pandemic pathogens. I don't think this is going to be foolproof. Things are going to slip through. If it may have been a lab, may have been nature, we're supposed to look forward, then why did Dr. Fauci work so hard for just one of those theories? I'm almost have to laugh at that, Neil. I mean, that's totally bizarre. First of all, I wasn't leaning totally strongly one way or the other. I've always kept an open mind. As you know, there's a sort of urban legend that there's a biological warfare center in Wuhan and that the coronavirus escaped from that. Did you have any sense of where it probably came from? I think ultimately we know that these things come from an animal reservoir. I've heard these conspiracy theories, and like all conspiracy theories, they're just conspiracy theories. I wasn't leaning totally strongly one way or the other. I've always kept an open mind. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. Should you be wearing two masks or one mask. I often myself wear two masks. Can we make a general recommendation that doesn't have scientific basis yet? No. Please wear a mask. The chances of my getting infected in an indoor setting is extremely low. And that's the reason why in indoor settings now, I feel comfortable about not wearing a mask because I'm fully man, I'm fully vaccinated. When you're in a congregate indoor setting, wear a mask. First of all, I didn't recommend locking anything down. I went with Dr. Burks into the president and said, 15 days are not enough. We need to go 30 days. Obviously, there were people who had a problem with that because of the potential secondary effects. Nonetheless, at that time, the president went with the health recommendations and we extended it another 30 days. Now, of course, you know, the side effects, they pretend are fake news right now. You know, all the things that affect the lockdowns destroyed everything. And they lie about that now, even though he just said that they knew it was possible. And also Dr. Burks admitted that they knew that was wrong in the beginning and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like this is the most transparently just crumbling narrative we've ever seen. These people are caught. It's just narrative holding this together. Uh, first of all, I didn't recommend locking anything down. It's the worst possible thing you could do is vaccinate somebody to prevent infection and actually make them worse. This would not be the first time if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. Well, well, the latter part of what you just said is untrue. You don't get worse results from vaccinating. She really has the flu. She definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. The optimal degree of protection when you get infection is to get vaccinated after infection. Because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. The optimal degree of protection when you get infection is to get vaccinated after infection. She really has the flu. She definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. So if you're saying, are we out of the pandemic phase in this country? We are. Is this country ready for another pandemic? And are we still in the one we have not, uh, yeah. that we've been talking about? 
Well, we certainly are still in it. The safety of these vaccines have been clearly established. The long-term effects that the people are apparently concerned about really have with, with I'm sure there is a very, 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 very rare exception, but wow. the long-term effects are really essentially non-existent. Do we have any data about, you know, vaccines and the, the back end of that or the negative side of that? There's been a, yeah. a number of studies, New York yeah. Times just did one about um, sure. menstruating cycles and how that is affected by vaccines. Yeah, though, well, the menstrual thing uh, is, is something that seems to be quite transient and, and temporary. That's the point. That's one of the points. We need to study it more. We need to study because it. Because the other side that just keeps putting out misinformation and disinformation seems to be tireless in that effort. An article in the San Francisco Examiner, I think, a Sunday magazine section, which was just phenomenal. I still have a picture of it. It says... Um, I call you murderer, an open letter to an incompetent idiot, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of NIAID. Hmm. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. And there's just so much else out there. Now, here, here's an example of how the logic is difficult for people that just don't want to, you know, care about logic. David Levitt trying to trying to make a gotcha moment and then gets utterly ratioed. Well, actually, no, hold on. Was this the one? Oh, it's the wrong one, actually. I thought there was one. This was the one where he got ratioed. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Yeah, <laughs> this is the one where he, you know, got just it's just hilarious. But here's the point. He says people with low intelligence get easily confused. No, he's right, David. You clearly are confused. It is, in fact, possible to believe that people should be vaccinated and also that women should have a right to, to abortion. Well, yeah, you, I, you could argue that. But that's not what you said, buddy. And that's the that's a way to hide the reality of what Dr. Simon very clearly caught you in here, which is contradictory stances down here in 2022. He says the only person you should have to who should have control over your personal medical decisions is you, not politicians. You, of course, that's under the context of abortion. But did he say that? No, he just simply says the only person who should have control over your medical choices. This somehow is a vaccine, not a medical choice. Up here, enough is enough. Make vaccines mandatory. That's not intellectually consistent, man. And he knows that. So he tries to hide that by saying that abortion versus vaccine. Well, that's not what you said. <laughs> We're not talking about the right to abortion. We're talking about whether or not somebody else can dictate what you have to do with your body or that you don't have the choice yourself. See the point? I mean, th there's no way to pretend these are not these are not the same conversation. So, David, you're quite confused or you're off. This I don't think it's confused. I think a lot of these people that have been dying on these hills are realizing they've lost already, that are just too overwhelmed with hubris to, to admit that. Now, here's a very interesting point that Jackie Lee's point out. What do you think about this, guys? Tell me what you think about this in regard to if you think that we should be doing this. Quite frankly, I think this is accurate, or rather the way that this should be done is we should focus on the people that are knowingly in charge and knowingly ignoring the evidence that is well is readily available right now. She says the results are in Alfred Health. This is the person uh, they're talking about, or rather the hospital. The results are in Alfred Health. 3,000 people think that the CEO, Andrew Way, right here, should be the first person prosecuted for manslaughter if Vicky dies. What are they talking about? Another absolutely dis just unwell, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, it's, it's unbelievable. That doesn't do it justice. The fact that you have a woman who has a heart problem that desperately needs a heart transplant 
right? And this is we've seen this already. And they, they refuse, even though she's next in line, to give her a heart transplant because she's not going to take an injection that literally the only thing that we all seem to be able to agree on is that it does affect your heart. And you're telling her to get a vaccine that absolutely, with a high level of certainty, will affect the heart? Even if you want to pretend that it's a sm- it goes away, it's, it's only mild myocarditis, or it's only a small possibility, it's very small, whatever. A person who has a already weak heart to the point that they need a transplant, it doesn't really take much, does it? Let alone the idea of spike proteins and strokes and other cardiovascular issues. You're going to force her to take an injection that you know is medically unsound in the position that she's in, or in general for that matter? Yep. And she has been refused. 83% of people think that the hospital CEO should be accountable for that if she dies. So we'll have to keep track of this, guys. Oh, I I swear I retweeted that. We'll have to see what happens. Think about how disgusting that is, though. This person is either too stupid to know he's wrong or doesn't care. They don't care. Now, here's the New York Times telling you what's coming next. This fall, Americans will be asked to roll up their sleeves, not just for the flu shots, but for new inoculations against COVID and RSV, all causes of respiratory misery. Now, interestingly enough, somebody follows up and says, when I visited Bellevue, we'll get into the article next. When I visited Bellevue Hospital last week, due to my sore throat and cough, <laughs> went to the hospital, they conducted a rapid COVID test to ensure my safety. Yeah, that's still happening, guys. However, upon inspection, the doctors informed me that I tested positive for Epsilon, which apparently is a variant that's gone. Although I don't experience any difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, it's quite surprising. Yeah, because you you're not sick, lady. That's why. You're being given a test that has a wildly high false positive rate with the level they're still using cycle threshold, which is over 40. That's still happening. I couldn't believe but wonder if there is a push to diagnose people with COVID to promote the administration of additional vaccines like RSV. So even somebody that seems to be on board with the idea of all this medical stuff, she also sees the point. Maybe they're just trying to get me, get me diagnosed so they can push more vaccines. I made it clear to the doctors that I will not be admitted, nor will I receive another COVID vaccine or RSV vaccine. However, I do plan to get the flu shot this fall. It's the only one I trust. Oh, man. We got to get you on the right path. Here's the point. Well, also, let's not forget that the only one she trusts is not the same thing anymore. The new mod RNA ferret nanoparticle universal flu injection coming this fall. That's what this is what this is not. And you know what they're going to do? It's going to say flu shot. You think they're going to say it, Walgreens? The mod RNA ferret nanoparticle universal? No, they're not going to say that. They're going to, it's just going to be like, get the flu shot this year. Mark my words. And these people won't, oh, I trust that one. That's the one I trust. I got, I've been getting it my whole life. No, you haven't. Not this. But this person says you went to the hospital for a sore throat and a cough. <laughs> no wonder the health system was overrun. Like, it's a really good point. Why are you going to the hospital for anything but a broken leg or something serious? Like, that? it's just people are, all, we're all being, a lot of people are being turned into uh, hypochondriacs because of all this. But here is what this says. Federal officials hatch a three-pronged defense. This fall, Americans will be urged to get shots against the flu, COVID, and RSV. The point is, at the same time, we have endlessly been making this point about flu and the COVID shot, acting like they come get both at the same time. Still to this very point, they have never tested them alongside each other. Not even to mention that both of them have their own risks, which they don't want you to know about. July 5th, to prevent a repeat, 
a, a repeat of last winter's triple demic. Do you remember that? Like, I remember them saying that every single year, and none of them have the winter of death, right? A dark winter, a triple demic, a tridemic, a dutch, you know, a bidemic. They kept saying this and never did it happen. Flu vanished until just recently. RSV was never really a large problem. It just kind of exploded in older people, which wasn't even RSV, in my opinion. It was vaccine side effects. And even then, I'm willing to start arguing that RSV in general might very well just be massive vaccine side effects. But that's for another conversation. The point is that suddenly RSV is now an adult problem. Weird how all these weird new things, cancer's exploded, RSV's killing adults, what's going on? Oh, weirdly, it all correlates with this new gene therapy they gave everybody. But no, that can't be it. But the triple-demic that didn't happen. We're going to have a repeat of that, is what they're telling you. Americans will be encouraged to roll up their sleeves, not just for flu shots, but two other vaccines, one of them entirely new. Yeah. That none of them had tested alongside each other. You see, people like this, just go. she probably absolutely believes that we went through a triple-demic last time. Why? Because that's what the narrative is. And that's truth to these people. Federal health officials have already asked manufacturers to produce reformulated COVID vaccines. Yeah, that's where we are. So the bivalent, which was jammed through for Omicron, and by the time it came out, we were three variants down the road, even though if that's even really what happened. But either, even their narrative shows you that didn't logically make sense. And they pushed it on everybody anyway. Vast majority of people that were already in line with the other injections didn't take it, showing you that even they were suspicious of it. And then it turned out to be harmful, and they were right. Net harm, the bivalent shot. According to the British Medical Journal. Net harm. Here's a good overview that Scott did on the, the Substack. COVID vaccine boosters for young adults, a risk benefit assessment. Now, in this case, they look at young adults, which are the least at risk population, but and realize that even they, the point was it takes over almost 40,000 adults to get three shots each to stop one hospitalization, which then causes 18 or more serious adverse events. Death, hospitalization, permanent disability, 18 of those to stop maybe one hospitalization, not even death. 40,000 people to get three shots. The point is, this is not even in the ballpark. This is a different sport in regard to safe and effective. This is not on the table. Facts don't matter, though, in this conversation, apparently. Reformulated. So the point is, as they push that one, now they're reformulating them for what? For XBB, of course, even though right now their own t- data is telling you that that's not what's happening. Do you think they're going to change? No, they're already committed. They've already got these things in the works. So just like before, they're going to go, here, take this new one. As they're literally telling you, a new variant is in circulation. Even Again, I'm not even saying I believe that. But how does that make sense? Truthfully, the variant part of it is probably the least concerning. It's about the spike protein. It's about the lipid nanoparticles and the mRNA and whatever else they're using with this reformulated version that we don't get to know about because they're not doing new studies about it. No safety studies. That's very clear. They're saying to be distributed later this year. Recently, the CDC and the CDC took an additional step, endorsing two new vaccines against respiratory against RSV. We've gone over these things, guys. Some of them are mRNA, some aren't, and they're all problematic. We've gone through each one of these on the show. Three three shots flu COVID RSV may help to reduce hospitalizations and death this year. Isn't that funny? We're well past the game of pretending it stops transmission. That's it's over. Right? You're going to get super sick and, you know, good thing you took those. You would have died. 
Oh, great. I guess we'll take that assumption then. But there are uncertainties about how the vaccines are best administered, who is most likely to benefit and what the risks may be. Get this, guys. So here's how this game works. They love to give you the counterbalance. Even New York Times is saying, well, some people think it's dangerous. But what always happens? There's not even a pause. There's not a debate. This is already halfway into your house right now. This is already being stored in locations, most likely. But this is no, but we're not sure. Well, then why is it already moving forward? Because they don't really care about the not sure part. This is just there to make you think they care about both sides of the argument while it's already being distributed. For older and immunocompromised Americans, all three vaccines are a godsend, says Dr. Hoffer Levy, director of the Precision of Vaccines program. Guess what? Right down in this very article, it makes the point that they didn't test any of these against immunocompromised people. Explain that for me. Here's a doctor saying, thank God, it's a godsend for these people that are at risk. But the injections will say we didn't test these populations. So how do we know they're safe for them? This is the same contradictory stance they took with the COVID injections. Before COVID mania, immunocompromised people typically didn't even take vaccines because their body would, it was dangerous for them. Remember that time? And then suddenly it got contorted into their most risk. So we need to give them the things first, even though we didn't even test on them. Again, I just can't even imagine how people can make sense of that unless they just don't care or they're not even reading this stuff. It says, yet it is unclear how many Americans will opt for the shots Some 71% of adults age 65 and older got a flu shot this past winter, but only about 43% chose to get a COVID booster. And that's only 43% of 65 and older, the people that are almost always in line with the vaccination plan. And even they, half of them said, I don't know about this. You guys are crazy. My friend just died after they got it. I can't see straight anymore. I just had a heart attack. Like people are very clearly aware that this is, and even if it's colloquial, you know, just casual discussion. People will see that there's something wrong. The misery of the past winter may help change minds. The misery is the, the misery is happening in the people that got injected. We all seem to kind of know that right now. The flu may have led to as many as 58,000 deaths. Well, you know what's funny about that? That's less than previous years before COVID mania, or at least what they said it was. And remember that is what? 59,500 something pneumonia and like 200 something flu. Or whatever, I just, I, the numbers didn't add up. But the point is ultimately that it was a very small amount of, not, of flu they could prove. Every one of the rest was pneumonia. They just simply go secondary pneumonia. This has been called out by the WHO. It's been called out by the HHS. They say, hey, CDC, why are you conflating these things? Clearly, they're not connected. Nobody cares. And then, of course, they did the same thing with COVID, flu, and pneumonia. And that's why nobody cares because it's a game they use to manipulate what you're looking at. According to the CDC, COVID claimed roughly 50,000 lives between November and March. It says, the flu may have led to the death peak in December. Huh. What's the time frame they're referencing right there? Mystery of the past winter. Okay, just so the winter time. Interesting. I, I thought it before. Anyway, so the point is they're comparing those, those months. Essentially, it's the same point. So they're saying flu killed 58 in this time frame. COVID killed 50,000. So doesn't that right there tell you that it's less than the flu? Well, they're going to say, well, now it is. No, it's always been that. We've proven this with peer-reviewed science. The Ionitis group has broken this down. RSV kills up to 10,000 people each year, most of them older. It's weird that they, they do later in the article make the point that it used to be a child. It went on a dime, like literally in perfect correlation with the injections. Weird. And even then, don't forget, we proved to you in Pfizer's own documentation, it made clear that RSV was one of the possible side effects. It's not a joke. It increased the risk of RSV to a, to a reasonably small degree, but it was there. 
And then suddenly we see an explosion in adults that have never had RSV. There's so much that people ignore. It's mind-blowing. The point, though, is that most of them older is a randomly new thing that correlates with these gene therapies they gave everybody. I'm just wondering whether this is just a respiratory problem because of immune suppression, that they're just naming whatever they want. In, in, in the beginning, RSV would have been called COVID. So it's just, this is just a game that's played, guys. But the point is that it's only a serious problem, or if you want to call it that, because of what's been going on. The people's immune systems have been destroyed who took these injections. The RSV vaccines for adults are new and in clinical trials prove to be highly effective against infection for the lower respiratory tract, which includes the lungs. Well, I don't know why we would trust any of this, because the ultimate point is that this is studies from people that have already been caught lying. This is one of these is Pfizer. They're telling you this shot's safe and effective right now. Why would we believe this one? But on top of that, realize this is another injection that goes in your shoulder that will not have any mucosal immunity. That didn't change. Dr. Bakhti has continued to scream about this, or in the past he was screaming about this, and he's right to, that there is not a vaccine that goes in your shoulder that will ever be effective against a respiratory virus. They know this, which is why Fauci already made this point. And yet here we are pushing another injectable thing in your arm that has nothing to do with mucosal immunity, which is where your respiratory viruses are. This is plainly obvious. But there's something else going on I think we're all aware of. Building all three inoculations into a single visit, there's your point, is likely to encourage more people to get immunized. Who cares about the safety? Come get your shots because they said to. Plus, you want to get these shots in arms before viral respiratory seasons. Right. Hurry up quick before you think about it because it's coming. You're about to die. None of these have been tested alongside each other, just like the MMR vaccine. Now, I should have been clear in the beginning. These aren't in the same shot. The point is, just like the MMR vaccine, they never tested those next to each other, and yet they give them in the very same vial. Now, these are just being put in your arms in the same moment or same day. Same point. If they don't know how they react with each other, that's why we have these kind of problems. And I really genuinely think they don't want to, you don't want to look because you don't want to find anything. Nobody's demanding they do this in the government, so why would they? It says, but other scientists hesitated to endorse the idea, citing the lack of evidence, the lack of data on safety and effectiveness when all three are given at the same time. I can't believe they even wrote that. This is my point from before. Guys, they're not stopping this. It's already ba- These things are already basically going out for fall. And there are scientists that are going, what are you doing? We don't even have evidence for this. Nah, evidence. Pfft. Like, how are we in a world where uh, there are clearly scientists that are at least honest enough to be like, we have no long-term data. It's the same as the trans conversation. We all seem to realize there is no long-term data, but yet you're giving it to kids anyway. You're doing it to kids anyway. Both situations. The point is, it's just lip service. They just want you to think they care. Sometimes vaccines work against one another when administered simultaneously. Sometimes, they write, vaccines work against one another, or your body for that matter, when given together. So why are we doing it? Well, because if we put them together, they might be more likely to get them. That doesn't make sense. According to a data, the data presented to the CDC's advisors, the RSV and flu vaccines produced lower levels of antibodies when given at the same time. So it's almost like they're trying to make this fail or trying to make it hurt you. There's no justification when you already have data that shows you that they're lessened, that they might even not work or hurt you if you give them together, let alone long-term studies to know if they might have some long-term problem together. And their only stated logic, read the whole article for yourself, is that, well, you'll be more likely to get it. So what does it really show you? Their safety is a secondary reality to making sure it gets in your arm. 
Yep, just like with COVID-19, which we already should know. And we're not even in a pandemic scare here. This is just the reality. I would say when possible, it might be good to spread them out. <laughs> How much you want to bet that that's not at all going to be something they're going to say, Don't, get them together, get them together. It's going to be pushed, pressured. That's how this works. The vast majority of people at risk for illness and death following infections with these viruses are those 75 and older. Right. And I think something what like 94% of the population is below that at the moment, based on previous data we looked at. So the point is, these things are not at risk for the vast majority of people. In that group, the benefit from each of the vaccines clearly outweighs any safety concerns. Okay. Again, why does that have to be made? Why does that narrative or that argument need to be made? So you're jamming three things together that don't work together, that have effects on each other. Like they, like they said, their own studies show they lessen the antibodies and there might be risks. And that's not even necessary other than for convenience. But then they go, well, the benefits still outweigh the risk because they're all dangerous. That's not a doctor right there. That is a vaccine salesman. The point should be, well, what's the safest way we can do this to not put them together? It's safer and it's more effective. So do that. That's, that is the safe that absolutely outweighs any risk. Nope, doesn't matter. Well, that's aside from the fact that these things are dangerous in and of themselves. But you see my point? COVID boosters are, not, are now thought to be beneficial primarily for older adults and people with weakened immune systems. <laughs> you see my point? In their own study, guys, it, did, it says very clearly that they did. I think, yeah, I, think I, I think I still remember how to pull it up. Hold on. Here we go. Check this out. I can't remember where it is. And this is the, oh, it looks like they haven't updated it since November. Big surprise. They used to do it pretty much every month. Okay, here we go. Here is their data. This is based on all the new updated shots, bivalent and everything. And what do they say? Well, first, here's the pregnancy one where they say we don't have, it's not fully known. We don't know if it's safe for pregnant people, but they still push it on them, right? Use in immunocompromised patients. The safety profile of the vaccine is not known in immunocompromised individuals. Hold on a minute. How does that make sense? Here they are saying that, oh, well, the only people that should be getting them are the immunocompromised. Huh? Well, that, that's what a weakened immune system. That's what they're, well, on top of the fact that basically everybody who's taken these now has a weakened immune system. Well, how about older people? You think, well, they, got, they must have tested for older. Nope. Nope, they didn't. Use in frail patients with comorbidities. That's old people. There is limited information on the safety because they weren't involved in the studies. How do you make sense of this or autoimmune or interactions with their vaccines? COVID vaccines will be used in individuals that may receive other vaccines. Studies to determine if their co-administration with other vaccines may affect the efficacy or safety have not been performed. I mean, it's just basic, guys. You know this all. You've already seen me go over this stuff, but here they are going, do it, though. Both people, we don't know if it's safe, do it, though, because they said it's safe. In June, the FDA advised Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna and Novavax to manufacture COVID shots designed to target XBB15. So that's my point. They're already working on this. Just like with the bivalent garbage. By the time this comes out, it'll be on something else already. And all that does is add one more layer of danger because you're producing antibodies for something that you don't need. That, begin, that gets in the realm of the antibody-dependent enhancement or molecular mimicry, pathogenic priming. The Omicron variant, and that accounts for roughly 27% of cases. 27%. And you're going to make an entire bivalent shot that you're going to force on everybody or anybody that's willing to take it, even though it's only 20% of what's going around? How does that make sense? That variant seems to be receding, however. Right. But what are they going to do? 
Well, here's the real point, too, is that they don't they could just pump in a new genetic sequence. And that's probably where this is all building toward is that they want to go. Well, finally, we just have to tell everybody that we're going to give them something we can update in real time. Then the the point is that most people don't really understand right now that these aren't being safety tested. That's the reality. They've made that clear. They just pump in a new genetic sequence. They pump it back out. They're not safety testing the new one that comes out, even though there's something different in it. And this, that will become abundantly clear when they push that moment, I think, which is coming. Pfizer is still evaluating the durability of its vaccine, which will be marketed as Abrizvo. Ab, oh, really? They're still evaluating it? It's weird that it was approved on May 31st. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're, we're still making sure, but we'll approve it in the meantime. Because, you know, it's dangerous, safe, and effective, and benefits outweigh the risk. We're in a pandemic. Just all the same mantra narrative, which and will never go away. The company's trials did not enroll enough people who were immunocompromised. See my point? Medically frail, living in long-term care, old people immunocompromised. They did not enroll enough people, so they don't know. But this guy's going, it's a godsend. That's both the COVID shot we just showed you and the RSV shot we just showed you. Both of them have not. And yet, that's what they're focusing on. Make sense of it for me. Although flu and other vaccines carry a small risk of autoimmune disease, Guillain-Barre syndrome, if they do, those numbers generally are on the older or one of two cases per million. Here's a really interesting point, they argue. I, <laughs> that's not true. I mean, it's just laugh out loud, like insultingly not true. It's much higher than that. But the point is not even that. Let's just take what they're telling you is the reality. So they're saying other vaccines generally carry a risk of one or two in a million for Guillain-Barre syndrome, right? Well, guess what? Evaluating their new RSV shot, which they're pushing on everybody, they're one, they even want to get you get it. They want you to take it alongside other things they haven't tested properly. The manufacturers each reported three, three neurological cases of Guillain-Barre or similar cases of other neurological problems within 42 days of vaccination in a population of about 40,000 people. That should be pause everything. This isn't working. Think about that. One, let's just say one in a million. Now you're saying, where was it? Uh, three. Well, let's just say, well, let's say three in a million. So it's easy to think about. So three in a million is before. Now they're saying three in 40,000. You know what that roughly works out to? About 25 times the risk for Guillain-Barre syndrome. That used to be something people went, whoa, this is failure. Let's move on. Let's find something else or let's make it better. Nope. Today they go, well, that's good enough. Benefits outweigh the risk because of this is super dangerous. That's the game. That's the world we're in now where this is just narrative. And but our politicians are revealing that they never really cared about you. Influenza, COVID, and RSV infections themselves pose a risk of Guillain-Barre syndrome and other neurological problems. So the risk-benefit balance still heavily favors vaccination. See the point? So we don't care that we just triple, I was going to say double, but times your risk by 25 for, our, for uh, Guillain-Barre. Still, it's okay, though, because RSV is that dangerous? Wait, you just told me it killed 10,000 people, and it's mostly older and, and, and children. How in the world does that risk outweigh the benefit? It doesn't, is the point. I guess that's just the mantra they're supposed to say. Still, the reports of adverse events related to the RSV vaccines made some advisors, even at the CDC, reluctant to back them for people who did not face high risk from infection. Okay, guys, the CDC, of all people, even went like, whoa, I don't know. This doesn't seem like it makes sense. You have people, doctors that are going, I don't know if we should give them together. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to be given 
They're going to use all these shots. They're going to give them together. Mark my words. Just like with the FDA, with people resigning in protest, clearly there is something moving all of this that doesn't even care. Most likely, the discussion like Sasha Latipova and the idea this is a military-driven program and these people don't really even have control over what's going on. How much Pfizer and GlaxoSmithKline will charge? Guess what? $180, $270, you know, somewhere in there for Pfizer. GlaxoSmithKline, $200, almost $300. No wonder we're, our own medical system is killing people more than anything in this country. This, this is disgusting profiteering. Ongoing research is likely to provide, and guess what? Even worse, they're selling you this th- dangerous thing for that much. Think about that. Ongoing research is likely to provide more information on the new RC vaccines. Oh, great. But take them quick while we're, while we're still studying them. In preliminary data, a second dose of the vaccine did not boost antibody levels, which puzzled scientists last week's meeting. But don't worry, we're already giving, we're already rushing these out for everybody. We'll figure out after the fact why it's not working. Or maybe it was a, a live study data point that we put out. You know, who, who knows? How is this where we are? Here is Cor- uh, uh, Pierre Corey pointing out a very important discussion about childhood vaccines, which perfectly relates with what we just talked about, the reality. A population that is ill, right? And to make sure that all of the things that can make you well and healthy and happy um, are not as what is advised. You know, I, I, you know, from what I've, you know, what I learned about the COVID vaccines, not only I learned about Reaper, but it also led me to studying childhood vaccines. And when you look at the history and the science that supports those vaccines, you learn some really, really uncomfortable facts. And I would say one of the most glaring is the wealth of data showing the absolute explosion in chronic illness. Don't forget that James Lyons Weiler and others did a study on this exact point, vaxxed versus unvaxxed, and found exactly the same thing. The government refuses to do that study. I wonder why. And don't forget what he said, too. You just have to look. It's all there. You just have to look. These people don't want to or don't care. That's coincident with the explosion in the childhood vaccine schedule. And so that, to me, is one of the of all of the things that we've already kind of talked about, Brett. I mean, the things that I'm learning when I say that I'm estranged, I'm lost. I don't, I don't you know, because everything that I thought to be true or at least had faith in that was operating, you know, with principles that I hold dear, you find that that's not the case. And it's think about how powerful it is that we're reaching people like this. Now, I don't necessarily mean T-Lab, but just independent media or anybody spreading the truth. Right. Of course, the corporate conversation is going to say, well, he's been radicalized by right wing conspiracy theories. But what's happening is this is somebody who has the courage to actually stand back and go, Man, I, you know, this, this is incredible. I'm, I've been lied to my entire life. Everything I thought I understood, that's called cognitive dissonance. And most people don't have the courage or the ability, the wherewithal to even push through that. Really, the cognitive dissonance is the uncomfortable feeling of realizing you're holding contradictory thoughts about the well, same thing. And the point is that it takes a, you know, a courageous person to come out and even speak about that, let alone change their thoughts. Very disorienting. Or, I meant it backwards. Change your thoughts, let alone speak about it. Um, and then to find when that that's not the case and it's very disorienting um, 
and then to find what you think has been settled science, which is this, the, the, you know, the overwhelming benefit of childhood vaccines, you find that that's actually, that's got some f pretty flimsy data to support. And it has very disturbing data that's suppressed. There is no settled science. There's only the scientific method. And the, but the point that I wanted to make is that we have so much chronic disease in this country at, at rates that you didn't see in the 70s and 60s. I mean, there's numerous reasons, right? Our, our diets have gotten worse and uh, things like that. But the, 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 fit, the mechanisms of those vaccines and what's in them and how they really do that we've shown how they can cause chronic diseases, autism and ADHD and all sorts of things. I know this is a troubling topic for people because, you know, how much can you bring someone along? Like I, I've come along slowly here, but, right. but I keep discovering this system at work. Hmm. It's nice to see. Oops. Went down too far. I'm wondering if I'm even going to get to those parts, which that's why I was looking down there, but to, sh to shift over into the, possibly the, latter, the last part of the show today. It's just for time. Before we go past it, though, I mean, you know, th this is something that it's almost like I'm starting to feel like I have, we've done this conversation already, right? I'm, not, I'm never going to stop focusing on what's going on with, with the injections because it's still clearly not over. This is going to happen again. The point is that it's just we, this has been proven. We know these things are, are, are dangerous. We know that they know that they're dangerous. We know that they know that they've hit. We know they know we see that they've hit it. I mean, it's, it's, very, it's a wild reality that we're in right now where we're watching them just keep stress the narrative as everything points in the other direction. And that's why I think they're trying to do, go out of their way to shut conversation down anywhere. Now, one of these topics that is wildly contentious right now, like just it's, 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 the, it's what COVID was in the beginning. It's what, any, it's what the trust women was when Kavanaugh was. It's these kind of moments where, you're, where rationale goes out the window and it's all about political narrative. That is the conversation of the transgender movement. Now, we just talked about this topic, the idea of chest feeding, and we talked about it a while ago as well. Here is an here's a development as of, we just talked about yesterday, in fact. Here's the development as of today. The CDC comes out and endorses the idea of chest feeding, but utterly mentions to involve any conversation about the risks that are very clearly there, according even to the FDA, which we've shown you. How can you possibly explain that other than politics, a captured agency? CDC accuses, accused of blurring politics and science, it's literally what they did, over, over advice that suggests trans women can safely breastfeed or rather whatever they want to call it, chest feed. Or the point is that it's not, it's not breast milk, guys. That's the reality. This is a substance that is manufactured by using these chemicals and hormone treatments it's basically a milk, a, like a milky discharge. That's not the same thing. It does not have the same re, uh, same nutritional value. And in fact, it has potential risks. And I've gone over this in depth. I'm not going to go over it as extensively as I recently did. But if you want to check out the show, we just went over it in this show. Jen and war crimes, French regime change, Chaparosha plus flag, and Philly Philadelphia trans shooter. <clears throat> but here's what this says. Doctors told Daily Mail the CDC has a, quote, responsibility to disclose the lack of research and potential risks. Now, there's two, that's two parts, right? One, the, the risk, not potential risk. Well, I guess you could always say potential, meaning it, doesn't, you might, it might just by fluke not, not tr transfer. But the lack of research, I just don't know how that's not the end-all be-all. We're at a point where we don't know the long-term effects because there's no studies for it. 
I mean, think it's it's the same kind of game we play all the time with this. The same people were screaming, you can't use ivermectin because we don't know, but are completely okay to do this. That doesn't make any logical sense at all. One of the medications used to produce to produce what they say is milk in biological men has been linked to heart problems in babies. It's been linked to heart problems in whoever takes it, let alone the fact that it give, be given that it transmits through, through the milk through the discharge to a child that is barely alive. You know, an infant. We're talking breastfeeding infants that are that are months old, and you're putting things in that can cause a heart attack or ch- uh, cardiovascular problems in a grown adult. They claimed the agency was blurring the lines between politics and science. It says biological men who transition to women can produce milk or whatever we're calling this by taking several hormone drugs that mimic the changes a woman's body undergoes during the late stages of pregnancy. Now, that's not even entirely accurate. Even this article kind of weirdly makes this sound like it's an organic process, even, even though you're taking chemicals to do it. The point is that's not what's ultimately happening. I've gone over this really deeply. As I said, if you want to go more on the show, go back to the one I did yesterday. But the reality is, and by the way, I'm going to have probably Brock and Scott clip this up, that part. The reality is that this is a, it's a unnatural, is really what you would call it, a discharge that comes out based on the fact that you're kind of tricking your body, which is even, I'll just get down to one of the doctors that says something similar. But it says, but one of the drugs used can pass into breast milk in small amounts. No, all of them can and can sometimes give babies an irregular heartbeat as a result. Like, even if it was just that, why is that okay? So this person can feel like something they want to feel like. That's a personal choice. That's, that's a desire. That's like saying, I, I want, you know, I, you can make a million analogies. The point is, it's just by a personal choice about something you want based on your personal desires. It's, it's selfish is what it is. Purely selfish. You're giving your child a risk so you could feel like something you want to feel like. It doesn't matter how much we're making that idea right now out to be absolutely paramount. It's still the same point. It's like anything else. It's like somebody who just wants to take an action so they can feel happy about what they want. And it puts other people at risk. Why would, we, why would anybody be okay with that? The FDA has warned against one of them. Domperidone. We've already talked about this. There's the discussion right here. Current as of, as of 2016. It is not approved in any country, including the U.S., for the reason they're using it. So they're breaking the law, in fact, by doing this. And that's not the story? (laughs) Clearly, there's not politics involved at all, right? There have been several published reports and case studies of cardiac arrhythmias, cardiac arrest, even sudden death in grown adults. Note that the drug is, not can be, is excreted in breast milk that could expose a breastfeeding infant. Pretty damn clear to me. Why are these even these right-wing articles getting that wrong? It's a big, good question. The agency said, quote, because of the possibility of serious adverse events, as we just read to you, they recommend not doing it. But is that what they just said? Like, they seem to even quote, but that's the, this is the only place it says that. That's not what it says. It says it is excreted. Anyway, it says, we have no idea what the long-term effects on the child will be, says Dr. Jane Orient. If a breastfeeding trans woman uses all kinds of off-label hormones. Yes, and these are not, this is one of the arguments they make is they're just the hormones that women's have. That's not the truth. These are not naturally produced. These are chemically, these are chemical, you're taking a chemical treatment to create hormones unnaturally in a body that's not supposed to be making them. That's why your body rejects this stuff in many other circumstances. Look, I've always maintained you're a grown-up. You do what you want with your own body. I will support your right to do that to your body. And I'll call you what I if, you, I, if you're forcing me to call you something, then I'm probably not going to do that. But I've always said, I'll 
say, I don't really ultimately care as long as I'm not being forced to do it. But that's what's happening. Telling us we have to say what you're going to say. That's crazy. That's not, that doesn't even align with free speech. But we don't know the long-term side effects. How is that allowed? She said, a lot of people are pushing for off-labeled use of a drug. It becomes so politicized that you can do all sorts of things for a politically approved purpose, which is what this is. It's politics. Dr. Stuart Fisher, an internal medicine physician in New York, told Daily Mail that the idea that breast milk produced by trans women is comparable to breast milk made by biological women is very hard to believe. It's not hard to believe. It's scientifically incorrect, which I've proven. I went over scientific studies as well as lots of doctors discuss. It's very clear. Uh, um, what's the term? like midwives and people in that field. But it says he said it is hard to know what the impact on the baby would be due to the lack of research. Seems like a pretty obvious reality that we don't know what's going on. Dr. Fisher said if it's been tested a handful of times, but even then it hasn't, guys. How would we know the long range effects? The short term is one thing. We don't even know that. But the long term the long term in terms of physical and mental illness. Who knows? It's an emerging field, to put it mildly. As one of the other experts said, we're building the plane while flying it. And this is for the interest of the baby? No, it is for the mental state of the grown-up who is doing this to a child. Does that sound like something we all should support? The point is there is no testing. All the tests they point at when you read them, they're not tests. They're discussions about how this helps the the person that's pretending they're a woman. That's what this is. Every one of them. There's three of them I keep seeing circulating. When you read them, one of them is from a like a symposium of people that all support this idea, and they all talk about how this is helping them. None of it is about the nutritional value, the safety for the baby, or even if this is the right thing to do. None of it. But they keep pointing at it. Here's the CDC's page under breast surgery, under the under the category of breastfeeding. Here's what it says. Can transgender parents who have had breast surgery, breastfeed, or chest feed their infants? Yes. And literally, that's it. Some parents who have breastfeed surgery may breastfeed, chest feed. Healthcare workers provide. All they basically say is healthcare providers working with the family should be familiar with their emotional and social aspect. Basically, be careful with their gender identity. That's all it really means. The families need to help with the following. Anywhere in, you show me where it says, oh, it also could kill your baby. You could also go to heart attacks, sudden death, cardiovascular problems, that, and immune problems too, based on the actual full study of this discussion. And we're not even just talking about Don Peridone. We're talking about all of the other chemicals we went through in the last show. Every single one of them have their side effects, and none of them are safe for a child. But good job, CDC. You clearly care about people, don't you? Well, here's where we get into the most disconcerting part of the whole thing. This is Riley Gaines, and she's pointing out something that we just talked about. We went over this in this discussion. This is a great article breakdown about experimentative-induced lactation and trans-identifying males, and it's a really good article with all the source material. It's important. It breaks down why this is a dangerous and, and problematic political push. But here's one thing that he included that I thought was pretty disgusting and disconcerting. He makes the point here that basically what, what historically... You know, there are women that take medications, right? So the, the conversation is always had about women when, when they're about to have a baby. What do they do? They stop your medications. Weird how that doesn't apply now. Weird as they go on the other side of it, right? Doctors have always said you should top, stop taking your medications because you're going to breastfeed. It's sort of like the game they say women, um, pregnant women or, or breastfeeding women shouldn't eat tuna 
except you give them like 10 times that amount in the injections you give them. It's just such a, it's, we're being played, guys. The point is they've always classically said, don't take your, inje- or your medications while you're breastfeeding. And the point he makes here is that, well, what they had to do is they, they kind of went, well, you have way what that safety would be. Like, are, are you putting the mother at risk by not taking those medications? And if so, well, then keep taking them and we'll give the baby formula. Right. That, that's the kind of balance that was there before. Now it's like, who cares about the medications? Just make sure you feel like a woman. How does that even line up with what we just were saying? It doesn't. So, again, either too dumb to know or they don't care. All the rest of them were fired. It says contrast this with a man taking unnecessary medications to induce what they call chest feeding just so he can fulfill his desire to breastfeed. Then he says, here's a word on that desire to breastfeed. You guys, if you want to look further into this, watch the last show or just research this very topic. It is a real thing and is reasonably prevalent in gay and transgender communities. Psychosexual disorders such as autogynophilia are present in a proportion of men who identify as women and a breastfeeding fetish can be a feature of this condition. As this excerpt from a a news article written by one such man illustrates. So here is one of these people on the record saying this in 2017. It says breastfeeding is freaky, not the sucking bit. You're reading the stranger, so odds are you've had a titty sucked at some point in your life. Excuse, excuse the crudity of it. No, it's because when my baby attached to my breast, so it's a trans man saying this, or I guess a trans woman, there was an incredible, incredible chemical cascade that ran through my entire body like lightning. Imagine the most electric thing a partner has ever done to you. Then multiply it by 10. I could feel my brain rewiring, rewiring, creating pathways that would permanently connect to my child. But here's the worst part. And yeah, I kind of got off on it. Don't judge. Well, you're damn right we're going to judge. In what world is it appropriate to have sexual feelings when you're breastfeeding your child? That's disgusting. You're disgusting. That's a problem. That's either a mental problem or a sexual deviant. Period, guys. That's wrong. What, other, what else would that be other than pedophilia? If you're having sexual attraction to having a child suck, I mean, I don't have to be graphic about it. That's obviously what we're talking about here. I am not trying to demonize everybody in this group. I'm simply pointing out that this is something that's just one of many things like potential predators in bathrooms, potential manip. I mean, every one of these conversations, people are skipping right over because you're not allowed to say that in this hyper-politicized fervor about this topic. Of course, as it tapers down in years to come, we'll be able to look back just like we're doing with everything else. Except by that time, children will be raped, people will be abused, this kind of thing will happen. Not by everybody in the community, but by the predators that work their way in that you guys don't want to look at. Let's go back to Riley Gaines' tweet. As I said, I was just talking about this. I'm not saying it's everyone, although I am stating it's not okay for any infant since the FDA says the drugs do pass through breast milk. In this case, discharge, and it's not safe in general. But this does exist, as she makes clear. And this is the same woman we were just talking about. The woman that I, or excuse me, the man that I have on my main image for the show today. It's the same man that was breastfeeding that caused this beginning of this story for me yesterday. This person was out there breastfeeding at some drag queen, drag queen story time event and, and made this big post online. Everybody stood up and said, well, that's wrong. Why? Some people probably said it because they just don't like trans people. Sure. I said it because that's wrong. It's dangerous. It's not safe. And you did it because you want to do it for you, not for the baby. On top of all of that, it turns out this person is one of these people. 
autogynephilia. Here's what Riley found. Okay, so I came across... Okay, for the longest time, I refrained from posting on TikTok. Um, I'm the swimmer who competed against Leah Thomas, who has been outspoken on why men should not be competing in women's sports or changing in our locker rooms. But after what I saw today on Twitter... I will be blasting my opinions and my views on all of my social media platforms because this is sick. And I think a true testament of where, as Americans, we are today. If anybody knows Riley Gaines or has Connect content, I would love to get her on the show. I reached out a while back when this first started, and I forget. I think she might have responded, but, you know, obviously this, her, her story has gotten gigantic. And, you know, I don't really begrudge, begrudge people for wanting to get on larger shows, but I would love to connect with her. Because I, th- I think that I have a great conversation and I think her story, you know, is important. Because as far as I can tell, she's one of these, one of these people that at least I, I've, you've, I've listened to her arguments. I've watched the way she presents herself. She seems to have very valid stance on this. It doesn't seem to be rooted in hate. It seems to be rooted in the fact that she sees a problem here like this. Or the problem that she works her entire life towards this goal. And then a person who finishes wildly low with men steps in and wins against her. No problem. There's a problem there. And important, then she starts speaking out, and then she gets attacked by people as a Nazi, as a bigot. When there's really no evidence of that, other than the fact that she's pointing out something, at the very least, is her opinion. It's not rooted in hate, as far as I can tell. So I really would love to speak with her, because I think what she's doing is important. On that note, here's what she says about this person. ...of my social media platforms, because this is sick. And I think a true testament of where, as Americans, we are today. Okay, so I came across this picture yesterday on Twitter which is very clearly a man who is claiming the identity of a woman and breastfeeding a child. After seeing that picture, I very quickly took to my Twitter to call that what it is, which is sexual abuse of a child. But I didn't realize to what degree until I saw this. In the following photos, you will see the same man who was breastfeeding the child actively using nipple clamps to fulfill his sexual fetish here is another one and here is another one and here is the instagram caption from the same man on his instagram profile where he wanted to check on how hard you can tug on the nipple clamps now the reason that's important to me is because up until that point just to be objective like right in the beginning it's it's, i was like yes i agree with her but at the very one, side, one part of my mind is like, well, maybe somebody might argue that that's some kind of a, a practice for newly breastfeeding people or whatever. That's not, I don't think that, but, you know, trying to be objective and consider other possibilities. And then suddenly you find the thing where she, it's about asking about sexual. It's, about, it's a sexual pleasure fetish and has nothing to do with a child or breastfeeding a child. So eat, no matter how you spin this, this person gets off on that. And then you see this conversation about, I mean, there's, there's a problem there, especially when you realize that there's not nutritional value. It's actually dangerous for the baby and, and everything else we already talked about. This is a big problem, guys, and we need to call this what it is. So I guess what I'm wondering is how can any sane human being see this man posing with this child, obviously sucking on his nipple, now seeing what he engages in privately and not see this baby as an erotic prop for this man with a sick fetish. It is sexual abuse of a child, bottom line. And all of this to say that in America, we are normalizing pedophilia. Um, let me repeat that. We are normalizing pedophilia. And we're normalizing this behavior in the guise of human rights. But sexual abuse is not a human right for 
anyone. I hate to even be spreading this message, but I think people need to see it. Um, it's up to us to stand up against evil, which is exactly what this is. This is a battle of moral versus evil. The smirk on this man's face says it all. It's, it's hard to disagree with what you're saying. It really is. Now, I'm sure people will. The bottom line is that you can clearly see that there is an overlap here. And that's, that's not even getting into whether this is the safe thing, which is the most important part of this. It's not. It's dangerous for many different reasons. And it also doesn't have any beneficial part to the baby, which I went over in the previous show. This is not the same thing. As we pointed out before, the, what is it, the um, oh, uh, colostrum. The, 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 the first so many days from the, the new mom, it's, it's almost like a, a yellowish, yellowish milk because it's full of fat and all sorts of antibodies. And the point was the mother's body actually aligns with the baby. And you, and you basically, you, could, you start producing what the baby needs in that moment. That's not happening because this is not the, the organic baby. You're, you're creating some weird discharge and giving it to the baby, which is you. And the truth is, as we've already proven, even in that man's case, it's not producing enough to actually feed the baby. So this is just some, some morbid experiment so you can feel better about yourself. And then you end up using formula anyway. This is, this, I mean, look, there's a point at which in the early parts of this conversation where I was just trying to step, step softly, like I always am. Being respectful is just a choice. Showing decorum is, when it may not be necessary, it's a choice. But we're at a point right now where I think we all can acknowledge that there is a part of this, if not a large part, that's not okay. Like literally something that nobody should be okay with. Allowing this kind of thing to happen like what you're looking on the screen right now. That doesn't mean everybody. I've, and you guys know, I'll say it every time because I don't mean that. But if this is at all happening, which it is, shouldn't we acknowledge that? Daily Mail writes, transgender pedophile, 66 years old, is spared jail after the case was delayed. You know why? Well, because they have to make sure the person goes to the right jail. Male, female, let's debate it for, for a month. And th meanwhile, a documented pedophile who is a trans person walks the streets. How does that even make sense? Why? Because you want to make, why do you even care? Look at the biological sex and put the person in the prison they're supposed to be in. They're a criminal. It's mind-blowing. But this doesn't exist if you talk to the community or people in the movement, I should say. There's plenty of people that are trans that don't agree with any of this. I keep saying that because it's true. Here. Vivek points this out, and this is, you know, you could disagree with this if you want. I, I, I don't, I still don't know if I agree that every single person that makes this choice has a mental problem, especially at a time when it's just becoming a fad, right? There's people that just get tricked into doing this. They may not be sick. They might just be propagandized. But even then, again, I've always made it clear that I, I do really think that, that people in this position, they, they're struggling with something. I mean, that's the whole reason it was called gender dysphoria in the beginning, and then they just kind of pushed it aside and said, no, we're just choosing. So when he says this, you know, just keep an open mind when the idea that this is likely what is most logical. And that doesn't mean it has to be somebody that is cast out of society. More so, just we should help people as opposed to acknowledging or pretending that what they believe is true. To end this mental health epidemic, not just with anger. I'm not angry at trans people. I'm not. I'm frustrated with the culture that venerates a mental health illness that we should be treating instead of actually throwing kerosene on and fueling to spread like wildfire across this country. 
I know you're not supposed to say many of those things out loud, but I just think it's important that we speak truth because that's got to be the first step towards getting to a solution. And that's what I'm hoping to deliver. Now, now here's, here's an interesting thing to ask yourself. Do you think he's a, a hateful person? Do you think what he's saying is about hate speech? Is he anti-trans? Is he transphobic? That's what they're going to say just simply because he doesn't say the thing that they say. But that seems like a very well-measured, rational argument. He could be wrong, sure. Maybe, he's, maybe they're not mentally ill. But his point is, it's, it's a point of compassion. He wants to help these people. So at the very least, you can say, I disagree with you. But no, that's not what happens. The same way that I pointed this out in 2016 forward, that it suddenly shifted from we disagree politically to you're the devil, you're the enemy, you're going to kill everybody, the country's going to be burned down. So you suddenly hated your neighbor, you hated your brother, your father, because you're the Trump supporter, you're the guy. That's the same thing. We're at a point today where it's not even about having a conversation, debate, dialogue. It's about narratives and division. All for a larger agenda that if we can really step back and realize that. But a lot of two-party people don't like to do that. The point is, there's some logic to what he's saying. Some of these people are dangerous. Like, uh, as we just said in the, re- the previous articles, the, in, in the, 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 the transgender person who's speaking out about what, what, ha- what happened in, in the, the hospital, she admitted on the record and has evidence that they were funneling in people from the psychiatric unit. People with PTSD. People with bipolar disease or disorder people that are schizophrenic all of which have the leading characteristic of they believe things that aren't true and yet take hormones because you're transgender trust us is what happened and she spoke up and they pushed her out how do we not see a problem here now i'm going to finish reasonably quickly with things that i was going to take a little bit longer on but i kind of wanted to keep this under two hours today glenn greenwald points something important out The mainstream U.S. liberal left assigns zero value to the question of foreign policy, war, militarism, imperialism, and the security state. The two defining issues are Trump and trans rights, which really do show you ultimately (laughs) that it's all about wedge issues, guys. It's about keeping us divided. That's he says. That's why nobody cares about the young Turks. Does anybody even care about them anymore? (laughs) That on the other topic. The point is what he's trying to make a point here is that apparently the young Turks, which I don't care about, were making some kind of argument that transgenderism is bad most likely a ridiculous hyperbolic version of one of the two-party sides i would argue i don't know i haven't seen it but what's interesting is this is what he's quoting is caitlin johnstone says my timeline is full of shit libs rendering their garments about how the young turks is problematic now (laughs) now that's her point apparently all their years of cold war cold warrior russia gating u.s imperialism apologia the mccarthyite smear uh smear meistering was fine but having the wrong take on the trans issue is just unacceptable. It just shows you how completely fixated people in the two-party illusion are on whatever topic they're supposed to be thinking about. War is never the thing. Neither side, guys. They just de- they de- they debate on which bad guy they're supposed to be fighting. Meanwhile, they're fighting every the government's killing everything all over the place. But it's supposed to be Russia. No, it's supposed to be China. Say they just don't care. They're lost in the two-party illusion. But that's what he says. Basically, that they don't care about these things. And guys, by the way, I, I, one thing I, I can't stand is that Glenn Greenwald seems to like willfully ignore the same things happening on the right. I don't know why. Maybe because it's a good business model. I don't know. But Tim Russo says, do you think today's hyper-focus on trans stuff is helpful to trans people? I don't. Well, what, what, is he, what, what does he mean? Hyper-focus on trans stuff. Do you care about the facts that we're exposing that contradicts what they're telling you the narrative is? I would argue he probably doesn't or thinks that we're lying. 
That's not a hyper-focus, but some people may be doing that in negative ways, and yeah, I would argue that's bad for whoever they're focusing on. But Gordon says, I am certain they would rather not have their basic human rights used as a wedge issue by Democrats or Republicans, which almost agree with him, except that we're not talking about basic human rights here. That's the game that everyone keeps using. It's not what we're talking about. Nobody is removing human rights or constitutional rights in any sense. They have the same rights and the same laws as everybody else. They're trying to frame the concern for child welfare as somehow removing their rights or killing trans people. It's disgusting, quite frankly, and it's wrong. But either way, aside from that point, his point is correct. That I would argue that he would argue they don't want to be used by either side, which is what's happening. And that's when I think we point to the trans people that are not involved in the movement that are like existing, whether or not you think they've got a mental problem and they're willing to point out that this is wrong. And, per, and he follows up by saying this thread shows two of the most demented warmongers, Liz Cheney and Ann Applebaum, speaking at the University of Chicago and being cheered. Nobody cared. Nobody protested. Tortures, war, CIA, yawn. Had they opposed puberty blockers, there'd have been a riot. It's hilarious. He's right. I <laughs> Just think about how ridiculous that is right now. Despite the fact that there's no long-term studies and that we know it causes infertility. How do you make sense of that? These people don't know that is how I'd make sense of that because they're lost in their two-party game. That's how most of these people are. Now, I realized I did have this, this uh, video still down here somewhere that I wanted to play for you really quickly because it's important this, about the, fertility, uh, the puberty blockers and for infertility. And the other issue that's a showstopper now for many parents around giving consent to puberty blockers is the fertility issue that if the child goes straight from puberty blockers directly to cross-sex hormones, they, at this point in history, are pretty much forfeiting uh, their fertility. And It's just so disgusting, such a casual statement. She goes on to make the point that it's okay, though, because it's their choice. So parents, you have, to try, you have to accept their choice for infertility when they're children because you realize they're giving this to people six, seven, eight years old. That's real. In most cases, 11 or more, but that's even still, that's nobody knows what that really means when they're that young. They probably know that and probably don't care. Now, to try to quickly finish this, I just wanted to point out a few things. We just talked about this. As Wall Street Silver points out, the National Assembly in France has adopted Article 3 of the Justice Bill, which authorizes the authorities to remotely activate the cameras and microphones or telephones or other connected devices without the knowledge of the persons concerned. Why? Because of a manufactured, you know, engineered chaos event. All, that's, that's what I would argue. And I said, well, there you go. Interesting how every problem these days seems to have the same solution. Isn't that crazy? Because it's not really about the problem. It's about controlling your life. Well, we talked about this recently. France is being used to justify total information control. Here's the article discussing this, or one of them. They did pass this bill, and it's been happening in this country for a long time. So we just maybe don't, don't know that. But on Israel's point, an Israeli officer who just killed an autistic Palestinian in 2020, or excuse me, in 2020, killed an autistic Palestinian, was recently acquitted. That's, that's on Haaretz, by the way. They acquitted who he deliberately killed an unarmed autistic Palestinian. He ran for his, this kid, ran for his life in a garbage room. They quartered him, shot him in the leg, then continued shooting him until he was neutralized. The officer got promoted in February. It's never been more clear what the Israeli government is and in extension, what the U.S. government is because they blindly support and fund it. 
Now, we just talked about this. Make sure you read this article. Israel launches military operation on, on uh, Janine and commits war crimes with U.S. blessing. It's a great article. We just, by the way, covered this back on January 2023. Israel commits biggest Janine massacre since early 2000s. Robert's been telling you this is about to happen, the incursion. And he was right. It's worth paying attention to his work on The Last American Vagabond. He's been telling you what's coming. Now, we also have an example that I wanted to include before we leave today. Evidence, the Israeli government is lying about only targeting active combatants. Now, isn't it weird this tweet's unavailable? It's not. That's how Twitter is censoring, like we keep trying to tell you guys. It's right here. There's your, this is, or excuse me, this is the, oh, hold on, do this. There's his video. It's right there. That's the link. Isn't that strange that it, now, of course, now it shows up. It was unavailable the whole time. The point is, this is happening. And I think it only now shows up, quite frankly, because I retweeted this and captioned it 100 times. But either way, since this is being aggressively suppressed, here's what Robert said. Israel said that it only killed terrorist combatants with its attacks on Janine. Here's one of those strikes. Which this is one. It's a video captured one of these strikes that was promoted in their own discussions. Active combatants were only targeted, they said. Well, here's look at it for yourself. Do these look like active combatants to you? civilian area. Looks like a bunch of adolescents to me, quite frankly. And the point is right here, you can see him smoking. He's just sitting there smoking a cigarette outside of wherever they're working, wherever they're doing it. And it, that, that's what happened. That's not the only proof, by the way. There's more than enough evidence to show that that's their civilians and hospitals and doctors and nurses and journalists. It happens every single time. And they just go, fake news. Weird. I wonder where they got that idea. We know they target and kill children daily. Nothing else matters. That's what one person put. But, oh, by the way, here's another interesting point. Do you see that? Nothing there, right? Well, here's what it actually says if you look for yourself right now. And I'll even show you. I think we'll get a glimpse of it. Watch this. Oh, look, a warning. Oh, it disappeared. <laughs> Weird. Want to see it again? Look, warning. It may be sensitive, so we're not going to let it share. Oh, it's gone. But it's not, though, if you look at it on my side with a incognito window. Isn't that weird? It's almost like they don't want me to see this. It says, we put a warning on this tweet because it might have sensitive content. Well, weird. I don't get that warning. Appeal this warning. Well, the point is it dramatically suppresses its reach which is why I kept trying to force this out. I wonder why that's happening, don't you? What do you think, Elon? Yaccarino? Free speech? Freedom reach? I guess not for the Israeli war crimes. I guess not for the world economic... You, you get the point. That's where we are today. Here is an example in Ukraine. I guess I'm going to try to wrap it this up, finish these last few points. This person in Ukraine is pointing out... In the, uh, here, I think I have it right here. This is the aftermath of the Ukrainian shelling of a hospital in Makievka in the Donetsk Republic. The attack took place late on Tuesday night, and as you can see, it's caused extensive damage to the exterior of the building. Most of the windows have been blown out and glass is strewn everywhere. Now, this came at a time uh, of intense shelling of both Makievka and Donetsk, a city in which at least one person was killed and 36 wounded, including not military targets, civilian areas, 
hospitals. Including children. Now attacks on hospitals constitute a war crime, yet war crimes are committed here on a daily, if not hourly basis, using Western supplied weapons. Yet those war crimes committed by Ukrainian forces are subjected to a blanket silence from the Western press. That's so sad. Hey, and guess what Twitter has to say? There's no evidence Ukraine shelled the hospital, you know, except for the busted hospital behind him. The, you know, no evidence, though. But there is evidence Ukraine shelled an ammunition dump 300 meters away. Oh, well, you know who they cite for that? Because, you know, Twitter's trying to inform you, you know, free speech and all, right? Well, oh, for, first of all, that Steve follows up down here, the same guy that posted this, and says, the, this local health worker, who apparently wasn't attacked, according to, to Twitter, said even his home was damaged during last night's shelling. Cleaning up operations continue across the community, but repair work will take much longer. So, you know, but yeah, this is fake news, according to them, right? His, his home wasn't attacked. It's just so silly. This is how Twitter is still towing the line. And who do they go to to prove this? Let's look. Geo confirmed, huh? It says the hospital came under barbaric shelling by Ukrainian militants. Disinformation. What do they show to prove that? A drone video where they show the hospital area and then cut quickly to the, the nighttime and then show an explosion. Oh, because that clearly makes sense, right? Does that make sense? Well, here's my point. You click on this tweet, there's not a there's nothing underneath that that says, well, this can't be proven. This is just a video of a drone that just shows an explosion. Well, how do we know they didn't bomb? You know, the point is that's not proving anything. I mean, far, far, what he's doing is far more proof than what, but all they do is go, here's another video that says we don't agree with you. So Twitter is taking a side. And then even better, you know, who Geo Confirmed is connected with? We can see it right there. Oh, Bellingcat. You know, because Bellingcat's not totally reputable, right? No, they're just, they, they're a this ridiculous propaganda outlet. And I don't, I don't, I, I don't, that's not hyperbolic. It's ask Vanessa Bealy. It's a joke. How, and I've proven that with their own coverage. It's pathetic. So thanks, Twitter, for towing the line. I guess you are on clear side when it comes to the Ukraine war and Israel on the wrong side. Well, I was going to finish with this stuff, but I'm going to include this for the next show. Probably tomorrow. I'm going to really I'm trying to bang these things out for you guys. But we're going to get into this next about the U.N. is planning to seize global emergency powers with Biden's support. It was a, just a quick part. Well, actually, I'll promise you I'll flesh this out for the next show and we'll get into more of the technocratic future of where this all seems to be going. So thank you for tuning in today, guys. I appreciate your support. There's lots of ways you can support us if you'd like to. All the links are in the show notes below. We need your support because we're going to keep fighting no matter what, guys. And we need your support because we are a people-funded outlet. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. From the President's office in the White House in Washington, D.C., we present an address by the President of the United States, Dwight D. Eisenhower. In holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific, technological elite. 